Welcome to episode 14 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. I'm here with my peak bagging friend, Craig. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. Good. Uh, it has been a long time, Craig, since we have hit the microphones. Do you think people are worried? Do you think that they thought after the magical 13th episode that we disappeared forever? It's possible. Let's prove them wrong right now. Come on, let's hold hands and play the music. Go. G'day, guys. How are you going? I'm just getting quizzed by Craig's. What's As it? to what peak bagging is. Yes, what is it? It's nothing, it's nothing bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> it means that you've bagged a peak. You've oh. climbed a mountain. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That's you. That's me. Yeah. It's uh, the highest mountain you've ever climbed, I would assume. It was insane. And yeah, I'm sure it was, mate. That was great. Yeah, cool. All right. We've skipped ahead a bit, guys. It has been a long time. Uh, we haven't just been sit around, sitting around binge-watching Game of Thrones. We have actually been on a massive adventure, which we will go into great detail with you today. But first, thank you ever so much to our podcast sponsors, Rios Gear, fantastic floating polarized sunglasses that we both used on the, our last trip and... I must say, we looked pretty cool. Caribbee.com, makers of fine backpacks and other equipment. Uh, again, yeah, took a bit of their gear on this trip. That was pretty cool. And at the moment, I'm also testing a really small, um, how would you say? It's like a trail runner's backpack. So it's a 1.5 liter hydration pack. Uh, and it's good. Moving right along, Topo Maps Plus. Uh, go deeper into the backcountry. We also used this app on our trip, uh, and it was pretty cool. Even without um, cell phone coverage, we were still able to tap into the to the GPS sent on our phone and follow where we were at each day. And last but not least, Bluey Merino, which pretty much I know it covered me head to toe along the trip. But uh, yeah, thank you very much to the sponsors. Um, it's trips like that where. I really do feel grateful for what they uh, do for us because um, we really get kitted out and uh, it's, it makes for a very comfortable trip. Oh, yeah, 100%. It was a great test for some of the gear, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. There's some special mentions in there as well. I would say um, we took the Grail uh, Geopress on its maiden voyage. Uh, it was actually um, very, very recently released and that was pretty cool we also took that to the highest mountain in tasmania mm, that's a good upgrade that eh? yeah it is a good upgrade and the other thing we tried out for the first time well technically not the first time but the first multi-day trip was the zen bivy <laughs> sleeping systems which um that was a nice upgrade too. yeah that's a nice upgrade too <laughs> Uh, yeah, so thank you to all of those guys who made um, such a fantastic trip possible for us in a lot of comfort. All right, let's just keep rolling on the Tassie trip, mate, because mm. um, uh, oh, 
unless you wanted to 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 tell me how you've been. How, how have you been? What's new? Mate, I'm good. I'm good. It's hard to um it's top you know walking the hills of Tasmania. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited to get to it. But kids have been dragging me out a lot. We've been on the beach a fair bit and. Yeah, getting a bit in the swag as well. So I have been outdoors a bit, but oh, nothing, that's good. nothing quite to the extremes. That no. Last a, time uh, I saw you. Yeah, there's always a bit of a, um, I wouldn't call it a downer, but I'd say you get back off an epic trip like that and it's hard to m- mm. make other things kind of meet that. Mm. Yeah, you've got yeah, to put think- it into perspective though. It's not a, It's not something that you can do all the time, so you need to kind of remember that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I um I worked on a couple of little plans. I think this week it started to hit me that you know I haven't since then I haven't really um, gone on a a bit of a trip. So I've made some plans for that now because I think it was a little bit of a downer coming back and having nothing on the horizon for a few a few weeks there. Yeah, uh, it's something that I want to. I have no plans uh, to go anywhere, but I got places that I wouldn't mind going. Uh, you know, a friend of the uh, hike or die community, Josh, has been mm. hassling me about um, doing a trip, which I'm pretty keen on. Mm-hmm. Um, might wait till it gets a bit colder for that, because I think it's going to be water's going to be scarce, and uh, it's just going to be kind of climbing through bush and stuff like that. So. The colder, the better. Cool. Uh, what else was I going to tell you about? Um, I have... I'm still running. I have a race coming up in two weeks now. And that's 15k trail run. And I think I'm going to go okay. I've... Uh, I ran 15K two weeks ago and absolutely crashed and burned. Just completely, yeah. Competitive or just a... No, 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 just a training run. Yeah. And as I was running, I was thinking, why am I feeling so bad? And I remembered that I skipped lunch and kind of just had a couple of handfuls of cashews and... um, It's not because you uh, shaved your beard off, is it? uh, No, it was... It was before I shaved the beard off. Okay. If it was the day after, I'd I'd know it was that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I think what I put it down to is that I just literally didn't have any food uh, in my stomach um, for most of the day. And then I got home and went out on this run. And I got to 11 and a half Ks and just mm. totally bombed out and had to walk up this big hill. And then um, got to 13Ks and just started getting leg cramps in my calves. Uh, it was just all going pear-shaped and I thought um, it kind of worried me because it was only two weeks ago. But on Monday, I ran my fastest ever 15 uh, and felt a million bucks. But what I did was obviously I made sure I ate lunch that day. But I also took a um, one of those power gel things, which um, have you ever seen them? Not sure. Oh, they're just like a little, um, I can't think of a better word than kind of sachet or whatever. 
Mm. You just tear the top off and suck the gel down and then scull some water. That's basically um, just pure energy, um, carbs and stuff, and you absorb it pretty quickly. I usually steer clear of things like that, uh, but I took that at around the eight-kilometer mark, so just over halfway, because I figured it would probably take between 10 to 20 minutes to actually be usable for the body and, and then i just blasted through um mm. did it in one hour 30 minutes and six seconds or six seconds off cracking one and a half yeah right um so i was really happy with that and so i've got that run coming up in two weeks and then um uh, so this guy was meant to run it with me and he's pulled out he said oh it's okay we'll we'll run together the following weekend and uh I said, yeah, that's fine, except I'm already running this other one. <laughs> so now I'm doing this um, climb for cancer, which is 37 floors oh, really? of um, a building in the city. Oh, right. Yeah, so that should be cool. Uh, yeah, so it seems like I'm just doing a lot of that. Um, also took the boys on their first trail run, my two oldest boys. Uh, have a guess how... F- oh, did you see the Facebook post? Do you already know the answer to this? Mate, I actually didn't study it. So, yeah, g- give me the... Have a guess how far they ran. You told First me. run ever. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I did see it, but I can't remember. Um, do you want to have a guess? Oh, first, yeah, kids, I don't know, five, four or five Ks. Yeah, it was four Ks. Yeah, really? No, and they didn't stop. Like non-stop running? Yeah, they like ran. That's, Four Ks. I said, I'd let's do three. Let's try and do three. And we got to three and I said, how are you feeling? And they said, oh, not too bad. And I said, well, let's go for four. Yeah. And so we did four. It was absolutely incredible. I was blown away. Yeah, that's good. Great effort. Yeah, and they loved it. We saw a couple of wallabies and stuff jumping around. So, oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's all I've been doing. Did they want to do that? Did you push them into it? <laughs> uh, no, they've been bugging me. Uh, they, Since you've been doing it. I guess so. There was this running club at their school uh, over Tuesday and Thursday morning. If they get there early, they're oh, allowed right. to run oh, cool. around the oval in this running club. And I said to them, oh, come out on the trail with me. Mm. Um, and I have to say the... And we will get to this, but a huge catalyst was that uh, Wolfpack film that we watched at the film festival. Of course, yeah. It was just massive. I watched that film and just thought, uh, I'm doing that next weekend. Yeah. I just just thought, why aren't I already doing that? Yeah. Um, I'll get to that later, guys, don't. Don't um. That was definitely one of the memorable ones, eh? Yeah, it was... um, by far one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Um, yeah, on that note, uh, the reason for, initially the reason for going to Tasmania was to attend the Cradle Mountain Film Festival. I had a cut-down version of my documentary, or let's call it our documentary, because Craig spent so much time working on it as well. And uh, on the, so we flew down, what, on a Friday? And went to the opening night, Friday night. And just to paint this picture, um, off to the side of the road, there's these kind of rolling grass plains and mountains in the background. 
And then there's these three yurts in the middle of this field with all these kind of, like, there's a couple of twisted gnarly trees around too, wasn't there? Yeah. A couple of um, braziers going. Yeah. And a little soup tent. Uh, one of the yurts was a bar. Well, it sold um, alcohol. Uh, another one, well, um, another one was just kind of like a chill out one, but then it it became the mm. th- the biggest tent on the closing night, didn't it? <clears throat> yeah, the music and activities. Yeah, the music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the other one was where they were playing films. Uh, very well, very well organized. Um, absolutely fantastic, and what I'll probably call unique event just because of how it's staged Mm. um so yeah big thanks to anna um for uh contacting me and and uh you know encouraging us to come down and and just putting on a fantastic show i think um ando was uh her husband um together they run uh is it Cradle Mountain Canyons or Tasmania Canyoning? I feel really bad now because I'm getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, they run a canyoning company together and this is um, something they do each year as well. And, yeah, yeah. they were just fantastic. It yeah. was well organised. You know, it's set in the hills there, in the outdoors essentially, embracing the Tasmanian weather. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, it, that's true too, Craig. That's a really good point. On Walking there... Yeah, you're walking through a bit of rain or drizzle or a, a brisk uh, breeze, and yeah. then a wombat runs across in front of you on the path. Yeah. Like, it was fog around. Yeah, it was know, cool. Fire in the in the barrels. It was awesome. Yeah, uh, we stayed at accommodation, which was probably what six hundred meters away, yeah, or less than a kilometer, and we just walked down the road back and forth. Um, but uh, and I think that added to it as well. Um, I don't know. It was it was just if we had have just gone for the film festival and turned around and come home, mm. I would not have been disappointed. Yeah, one bit. It was absolutely fantastic. Mm. Yeah, but being a bit of an you know outsider to arrive in Tassie and then actually do like there was a night where we spent. Uh, so we watched some films indoors in a in a um, in a hotel, and it just it was great watching those films. But yep. we got such an experience being out in that field, hey? For, yeah, for yeah, that's other. right. Yeah, so um, uh, they also was uh, they were also using a I guess a conference room in a local hotel, Cradle Mountain Hotel, where uh, they could cater for bigger groups, and on the Saturday night. They had the big kind of finale night, and that was the what was that called? That was the um, Mountain Film Festival. Mountain Film Festival. Yeah. That's right. Thanks. Yeah. So the Saturday night they played the full Mountain Film Festival. Uh, that was and great. One of the, yeah, one of the organisers from the states actually flew out uh, to to introduce that, which was pretty cool. Um, but like Craig said, the rest of it was. Um, was just in this field in the yurts and I, I don't know it was just so much fun so all the films were based around a lot of adventure style sort of um filmmaking and uh, and documentaries and there was some fantastic australian ones and some stuff from, from overseas that was uh, incredible yep and yeah some of it was edge of your seat stuff and then some of it was really emotional stuff so it was yeah really cool to see 
Yeah, there's definitely a, a good cross-section. And I mean, not just in the Mountain Film Festival on the Saturday night, that was a good cross-section. Mm. But if you look at the entire film festival, it was um, uh, it was quite good. Even if you take into consideration on the Sunday, the film festival was played in... They had short films playing in these little huts along this hiking trail. And that was the day that we started our six-day overland uh, overland track hike. So we stopped into a couple of the huts and watched these films. And Craig, do you remember that um, that first hut we stopped in and there was that, that guy running? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Was he running a marathon a day for ten days or something? Yeah, I I, I don't remember. All I rem- mate, all I remember was by about day two, his nipples were bleeding <laughs> so profusely. Yeah, it was pouring down, and he he wasn't taping him up. He's a mad dog. It was basically this unfit. Was he Irish or Scottish? Irish. Uh, yeah, I think so. Unfit Irish. Irish guy decides he wanted to do something for charity and he just yeah. um, runs. I'm sure it was a marathon a day for some ridiculous a yeah. week or something. He was laughing it up the whole time. He was really, you know, not cut out for it. But he it was, was not cut out for it. He was really likable though. I um, was a bit, bit concerned that you'd think he was uh, hard to like, but no, you really got into the character. I really yeah. liked it. Yeah. He was. So at at the start, I was thinking, this is not, mate, this is not funny. Like, this is not funny. Don't, don't do that to yourself. But it was, it was a crazy concept. <laughs> but it, it didn't, it didn't take long to realize that he was just hope. He's just this hopeless guy who, who, uh, I think it was seven marathons in a row or was it more than, it might've been 10. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> might've been 10 days. Yeah, I think of it was 10, a 10 days of a marathon a day. And his feet looked horrible. Oh my. <laughs> oh yeah. He is, he is not. And running through bitter cold just yeah. in a pair of shorts. Oh, I don't know how he did that. He hardly had a shirt on and <laughs> his nipples are bleeding down. It's just, it is wrong. I, I found it hard to watch just because of that. I felt my, my own nipples tingling while I was watching it, thinking I put some band aids on, mate. Oh, yeah, it was uh, a bit wrong. <laughs> bit, a bit of, I'm gonna have to try and find out what that was called. It was Sean something or something? But it was it was actually really good. A couple of really good laughing moments, and uh, yeah, he did, actually did a fantastic job in the end. Yeah, now, the reason we're talking about films, and there was a couple I'd really like to mention, but. I guess it was. I'd like to shout out to to how your film, Tom, was really well received, and this trip being there where it was shot really um, brought it to life for me. So, yeah, I got a lot out of that man. Just um, sitting in that hut and watching it, you know, with strangers, and yeah, then going and doing the track. So, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um... And uh, I'll throw it back at you anyway. Thanks for all your hard work getting it there with the audio stuff. Ah. It's been a bit of a slog, I know. <laughs> no, it was great fun. I've enjoyed it. Um, but uh, it, it was quite surreal sitting there watching it. And uh, on the on the Saturday, I had to give a talk on the film, which was 
an interesting concept when you think of giving a talk about a film that nobody had seen yet. So I had to take a bit of an angle um, where I was almost explaining the film to them uh, and then explain, explaining the logistical nightmares behind filming, um, you know, seven days while you're hiking. Uh, but I was really, I was really happy with that. I don't think uh, there's much I would have changed, mate. I, I think I'd. Uh, why don't you tell was... some of these guys might know, but why don't you tell these guys what it was about your film that we went down? There? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, it's just one of those things. I, you know, I talk about. I try not to talk about it too much on the podcast, um, and I don't like repeating myself, but. I had a pretty unique opportunity to follow seven leukemia survivors um, on a, it was roughly about a 75 kilometer hike and film their journey. And um, it took about a year and a half to, to put that together into a, a full length documentary. And um, yeah, so that's, that's what it's about, the highs and lows and, and uh, just just watching that team um, struggle with uh, mental and physical kind of demons along the way, and and that's what I'm saying. That after then going and doing it myself, and I got real appreciation for those those guys with their limitations. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I keep forgetting that you. Um, I've been working saw on the it film before you, but you I hadn't seen the hike. <laughs> done those days, those long days that we did, and it was um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. It was funny for me to go back again. That's the third time I've done that track. And so I'm doing it again after I filmed the previous time. And it was really, um, in a way, it was kind of strange being back there without them um, because we spent so much time together. Mm. But it was good having you there because... Um, I do remember back to the first time I told you I was going to Tasmania and you said, oh, I get the feeling that you want to do this by yourself, but I'll ask anyway. <laughs> and I said, yeah, sorry, man, I've got to do this solo. I just have to do it. Crazy. And um, I always felt guilty for turning you down, mate. <laughs> no. But I got to drag you down there finally. Yeah. No, it was good. Yeah, it, it was uh, – oh, I'll never forget that trip. It was um, just some of the best times, some of the funniest things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Tassie's an amazing place and to get to, you know, just, just f fly in there and see it's just this country town set amongst this rugged landscape and uh, wilderness and then it was like alpine sort of conditions in parts and, yeah, I really loved it. Yeah. We don't get that up here. No, no, not to that extent. Um, so yeah, we met, a some amazing people down there, um, directors, um, adventurers, and I, I don't want to kind of promise anything that doesn't come to fruition, but I can tell you that we have some solid guests, absolutely solid guests who are really keen to come on the podcast and talk to you guys about some of the ridiculous things they do in their spare time. Mm. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I'm going to move on. We will get back to the... Uh, well, I might as well tell you guys now. On the trip, we did a whole bunch of uh, 
small snippets of recordings. Um, we we sometimes we were together and we'd have a bit of a chat. Sometimes we were walking uh, or taking a lunch break. Sometimes we uh, were doing a bit of a dialogue to our own uh, GoPros. So the idea is, and, and we haven't gone back and reviewed this quite deliberately, but the idea is um, we'll cut to that in a minute and we'll go ahead and listen to it all as well and then we'll come back at the end and touch base with you guys after that but uh, I'm not going to jump there that quickly because we still have a lot to cover Craig oh yeah yes yes we have Uh, I wanted to say you remember Jim, Jim Denham he uh, hmm. was the guy that was on a massive weight loss journey. Photographer. That's right. Jim Denham Photography. Beautiful landscape photography. Yeah. Um, we spoke about him many episodes ago. And apologies for not remembering exactly which one. But he had a weight loss goal and when he said when he got to a certain weight, he was allowed to buy a kayak and this goal has been it's not the end of his goal like he's continuing to lose weight but uh it was one of his goals so he lost um 45 kilos which is a lot and he did it about three maybe three or four weeks ago he he um sent us a message on Instagram, I think it was, and said, check this out. And he sent some photos and he's already been out on it. And he's absolutely stoked. No, that's great uh, news. And he's uh, half the man he was. Like he's, um, in a good way, <laughs> he's uh, really shredding now. And, mate, just keep it up. Uh, we do we do watch your progress and it just makes me happy to think that um, you're still trucking along. So congrats, mate. Well done. Yeah, well Anyone done. else who was uh, who remembers that episode? He's still he's still going. So get on you, Jim. Mm. Uh, a guy called or goes by the handle of Chief Sixty on YouTube asked a really interesting question, and I wasn't sure. Uh, you've got no idea the sort of things that go on YouTube. Oh, you probably do. Read the comments on any video, like. People are just out to <laughs> stir, stir up shit. Um, but I'm not saying that's what um, this guy did. Um, it's quite the opposite. He made a comment and said, I've seen... Oh, sorry. This is about the Grail water filter. Um, it's the water filter that we use. And there was a, a full gear review that Craig and I filmed about it and it gets tons and tons of views what are we up to uh almost twenty eight thousand views it's had it just for some reason it's really popular uh anyway he asked a, a question and it was such a good question that i did a fair bit of research i answered him as as well as i could and then i thought this is a question i wouldn't mind bringing to the table in the podcast uh, I guess just to, to, to kind of spread that knowledge. His question was, I've seen comments using the word filter and 
purifier in reference to this product? Which one is it really? A purifier or a filter? I want a purifier. Um, hmm. So the answer to that is not as simple as you think, but in some ways it's actually really simple. The short answer would be it's both. Uh, because if you go to the definition of filter, I'm just on dictionary.com here, any substance as cloth, paper, porous, porcelain, or a layer of charcoal or sand through which liquid or gas is passed to remove suspended impurities or to recover solids. So that is a process in which you're removing particles. Um, most of the time when we talk about filtering, I guess we're thinking about removal of big particles. So you put dirty water in, it removes all of the uh, big particles and then clear water comes out, but you still can't drink it. Mm. That's um, some people's perception. Mm. This product, and there, there are many other products like this. Um, actually, that's not true. What I'm saying is there's products like the Life Straw, which are similar in that you, you are taking extracting water through a filtration system. At the end of the filtration, it is purified. So the answer to his question was actually it's both. It's a filtration system which purifies your water because the definition of purify is to make pure, free from anything that debases, pollutes, adulterates or contaminates. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, it's both. It's using filtration to purify. Is that kind of clear? Yeah, I mean, we're mostly worried about bacteria getting through that filter. Absolutely. But sometimes in order to do that, you have to take out the solids as well because the um, bacteria can be reside within solids. So mm. say if you had a cluster of a couple of grains of dirt, there could be bacteria within those. So the filter stops that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it surprised me to learn that a SteriPen, even though it's capable of purifying, if your water is full of a lot of crap in there, it's not as effective because well, the, it's, it's not effective. It's not effective because all, the, yeah. the bacteria can hide behind the little particles. Correct, yeah. If it doesn't if the light if the UV light so the SteriPen's a UV light device which sterilizes and I use that term not like you think. When I say sterilize I mean it makes the bacteria unable to reproduce. So you still ingest live bacteria, but they cannot have babies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so if you put that in the ultraviolet light in dirty water, muddy water, the ultraviolet light is not shining on every particle of water. Therefore, it's not purified. Yeah. Um, hence the reason we used to filter and then purify with the SteriPen in, yeah. the, in the good old days. Uh, still a fantastic product. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting, uh, the, the, his question. Yeah, it's it, a good question. It made me double check 
myself and go back and uh, do a bit more research on the Grail website as well just to make sure that um, I was on the money. And it definitely, they do use the term filter because it takes out microplastics, sediments, silt, chemicals, chlorine, benzene, chloroform, uh, heavy metals. I don't know why you'd want to take heavy metal out of anything, just to be clear. Uh, that was a joke, Craig. Um, <laughs> lead, arsenic, chromium. Rock on. Uh, but it also removes viruses, bacteria, giardia, salmonella, dysentery. So in the process of filtering, it purifies. That's what I should have just said at the start and saved you guys 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's a good question, actually. And I remember seeing a lot of filters and not realizing that there were some that purified as well. Because it's, it's got something to do with the type of filter that allows such small, only allows such small particles that's through. That's right. Yeah. It's like and a also, 0, 0, 0.005 or something. Yeah. And then there's also this crazy thing where the uh, Grail has, I think it's something like silver. It's, I think it's got, um, where is it? Uh, I'm going to bastardize this. I always say these stupid things without the information in front of me. I'm sure from memory that it has silver and some carbon. It definitely has carbon because you have to give the, you have to give it a rinse a couple of times before your first use. But I'm sure it's got something like silver in there, and um, things stick to that, like they're attracted to that. I'm not not. Magnetized would not be correct, but if you know what I mean, like they're drawn to those elements, so they actually stick in the filter, mm. not just because of the um, the the microscopic pores, but just because of what the materials are that sit within that filter as well. I find it quite interesting, um, but I'm no scientist, so. But it seems to be pretty peace of mind, which is a good bit of gear. Oh yeah, man, I I I'm totally happy with that. I, yeah. I want for nothing more. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, thanks, Chief 60. Good on you, mate. He actually came back and, and said, um, thanks so much for the clarification. It's helped me make future decisions uh, on sources for drinking water products. Yeah. So, yeah, appreciate that that wasn't just a troll out to get me. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I thought when I was responding, I thought, oh, here we go. This guy's... This guy's a, a, a biologist or something and he's going to shred me once I give my layman's answer to him. <laughs> but it didn't. Uh, where am I in my notes? We're looking good. Oh, this is a weird one. This is a public service announcement. Um, I actually, I don't know if you've noticed. Tell, tell me if you've noticed this, Craig. I don't spend much time on Facebook, but... When I flick through, there's been a ton of um, ads pop up for me for these fake Salomon shoe products, these ads. Fake shoes? Well, they have pictures of Salomon shoes and then the company name is some just weird kind of thing and then you kind of click through and it doesn't take much to realize mm. that they're just completely ripping off Salomon. Yeah, I've seen those shoes. I don't know if I've seen it on Facebook, but yeah, they're yeah, pretty cheap. And yeah, right. They so, look the same, hey? Oh, they're <laughs> the same. Now, it, I, I can't speak for what's actually happening, whether they've just ripped it off 
or whether it is the company that's making the salon shoes, chucking them out the back door. And I, I, I couldn't say, but what I am saying is, is I'd be steering clear of them. Um, well, for me, it's for two reasons. For one, I don't want a crap pair of shoes um, that fall apart because they're fake. And two, I, I like to support companies that make good products. Um, I actually sent them a message on Facebook and with some screenshots because they were not only were the ads coming up, but they were coming up multiple times in the feed with a different business name. It's total scam. Uh, and I read through some of the comments and dudes are going, oh, I've been waiting for six weeks for mine. <laughs> I'm thinking, Still waiting. okay, enjoy those air shoes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just thought I'd mention it uh, because it's probably, especially when we're all so conscious of money and you see, oh, wow, there must be seconds or last year's models or whatever, but I don't think it's that. From the response I got from Salomon, I think that they're onto it like they're their legal teams onto it. Is this our time to start talking about shoes, Tom? Oh, no. <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. It, you mean the shoe conversation? The shoe conversation. No, you can't. Have you have to let – we'll talk about that at the I'm end. I'm sure we will, man. Yeah. I've got a bit to say. Solomon's would be, yeah, <laughs> happy to hear from you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, we talk about all things hiking. That was something that's come to my attention recently and I thought it, it might be worth sharing. Yeah, cool. Uh, and I always like to get a gauge of of a, how a big company like that operates as well. And they were so grateful and polite and appreciative with their response um, that I really got a good feel for for those guys and thought because just to be clear, we I wear their stuff. Um, Five, six days a week, I'm wearing their shoes and I paid for them with my own money. We're not sponsored by them. Um, they weren't sent to me for free, but they're just kick-ass. So hmm. credit where credit's due. 100%. Yeah. Hey, uh, what do you reckon it's time for now, Craig? I'm hoping it's time for Books with Tom. It certainly is. We've got a major problem with this segment name now. Um, <laughs> oh, Jodes said, you know, Jodes, friend yeah. of the podcast, said yeah. he something different when I threw the film in. He didn't mind that. So if Jodes is happy, well, I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, but I've got another damn film to mention. So... Uh, we need to come up with another with a new segment name. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah, especially for new people who listen to the podcast, and we call it Books with Tom, and then I talk about a film or something else. And I got a problem too. Oh no, I I read a book. Yeah, that's it's a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm assuming it's the same book that I read. No. Didn't you? Did you read Thylacine? Yes, so I read two books. I don't believe it. <laughs> I guess it has been two months. I thought I'd push the, I thought I'd push the limits. Um, I'm so glad that I read two books because I'd feel silly if <laughs> you read more books than me. Um, I've got two books on the go at the moment. Uh, 
Well, why don't we start at thylacine? Because what happened was I read that book and I went straight on to the other book that I purchased in Tasmania. And just to be clear, thylacine is the... Um, is that the species name or the, the scientific name for the Tasmanian tiger? Yeah. And uh, so it's a book about that. What's the full... You've got it there, haven't you, Craig? It's, it's called... Um, the Tragic Tale of the Tasmanian Tiger by David Owen. That's it. This book blew my mind. But I had another book from Tasmania and I started reading that. And at the same time as it blew my mind, it actually pretty much depressed me. Uh, I was just so disgusted with humankind. And then I went on to read this other book about Tasmania, which was talking about how um, horrible the place was when it was first settled. And I actually had to put that book down and switch to another book. Uh, I'm reading a book about Nepal now, which I'll have finished by next time. Just something a bit more lighthearted because I, I just... The thylacine book was so heavy, man. Did you find it heavy? Yeah. It's a bit depressing in oh, parts man, of... Man, it's just... The history. It's horrific. Um, and you kind of look at some of the outcomes and you go, wow, how could that, how could we let that happen? But I guess people weren't so connected as we are these days. I guess they didn't quite know what was happening on a, on a larger scale. You can give them some excuses, but, um, unfortunately, yeah, they, that this, this animal is no longer around. Yeah. And, but you're, you're talking about the other stuff with, um, Tasmanian history with Aboriginal culture well, and stuff like that as well. No, no, not so much Aboriginal culture. Uh, well, that's horrific as well. I mean, the whole damn thing's horrific. But I was talking more about the um, uh, the the convicts and stuff like that. For people that don't know, and I take that for granted because we're from Australia, Australia was a, um, a penal colony, uh, more specifically... Tasmania, which is a separate island, which is where we recently travelled, was called um, Van Diemen's Land, and they would send convicts down there because they didn't have enough room in the UK because they were throwing people out for you know stealing an apple. They were putting them in jail, and uh, once you do that, you start to rack up some prisoners pretty quickly, and they're just running out of room. So they started sending them down here and within sort of, if you did sort of around five years in good behavior, they'd let you out, give you a piece of land and say, there you go, now you're an Australian and mm -hmm. <laughs> good luck to you. When you think about that, then you've got um, this place built on hardened criminals. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And, and I'm not saying they're hardened criminals when they went in. When you stole the apple, that, that's not a hardened criminal, right? That's not a murder or something. But when you steal an apple and then you have to go on a boat for, I don't know, how long did it take? Eight months or something? Yeah. yeah. Eight months on a boat with other prisoners and then you get to this penal colony where you're doing hard labor. By the time you come out of that, you're a different person and sometimes not a very good person. So this other book I was reading, which is the one I've stopped, is um, goes into a lot more of that and how um, 
brutal these people were and I think it's no surprise that they destroyed the Tasmanian tiger mm. because they didn't even have respect for each other. Mm. Um, what, I mean, t- tell me if you um, well, thought different. Sorry, what were you going to say? All of this started only two, just over 200 years oh, ago yeah, we're this talking is about. Not, this is not... Um, it was untouched. And, exactly. And, um, um, Not long ago, it's pretty recent history. I think that's why it's such a sore point for Australians as well is now in hindsight, they see one of the most unique marsupials, unique animals for that matter, on the entire planet, uh, just just out of our grasp, as in we just got to it too late, we just became modern, too late to save this one. It's just so sad. Nothing like it exists in the entire world, and uh, we're responsible for it. Mm. But uh, my biggest takeout from that book was the the wool company, and I can't help but seeing them as the villain because of the absolute bullshit that they were spreading. Saying that they were taking the sheep. Oh, it was, so what happens? Is, this is a very compressed version. <laughs> One wool company sets up in Tasmania and says, "Hey, everyone, you should get sheep. Sheep's? There's no such thing. You should get, get, get sheep. Sheep's. Sheep's, and get lots of sheep's, and you'll make a lot of money. And don't worry, we'll buy all the wool off you. So perfect, right? So then everyone buys sheep." And some people bought sheepses. And then they were not getting the yield that they were promised. And they were losing some sheep to wild dogs, to bush rangers, to a uh, bush ranger is, what would you call that, a, um, a fugitive, Craig? For yeah. people around the world. Uh, yeah. yeah. Criminal. Fu- criminal, yeah. So they'd um, go rogue, they'd go in the bush and then they'd pull up people and uh take their stuff and everything um where was i yeah so they and some uh indigenous people would take the sheep as well because they didn't indigenous people don't necessarily have possessions so they just share everything and if it's there they just take it they don't quite uh in those days especially they didn't quite grasp that from what i understand Mm. so what the wool company then did was start to fabricate this um this this story that the thylacine the tasmanian tiger was this vicious killer that was responsible for taking all of these sheep and you know you would have made a ton of money if it wasn't for that damn those damn thylacines we're sorry about that you better get out there and kill some thylacines and they ended up putting a bounty on um, thylacine skins and that was the end of it man people were People weren't just going into the areas where they had sheep and taking thylacines from there. They were traveling for days, if not weeks, into the wilderness to get them because the it was pretty much, I guess, a month's wages or something if you bought one skin back. Yeah, I reckon that is what led it led to the the end. Absolutely, it was absolutely disgusting display. Of, in, the, um, in their defence, if there was one, they probably didn't 
know much about this tiger and they probably were a little bit afraid of it and it was probably a pretty easy cart to push um yeah it, it definitely was what's disturbing in the book is there's actually hand-drawn uh, or painted images that are in this book and uh, do you remember the one in craig where it's almost this little gully and there's about six or seven thylacines just tearing these sheep apart all oh, right and yeah. It was a, it's not a photograph, man. That's not evidence. You don't show someone that. I don't show someone a a hand drawing of you stabbing someone down the street and go, yeah, I have hard evidence that Craig is guilty. Look at this hand painted (laughs) picture of him stabbing his neighbor. We've got the proof. We've got proof right here. That's not proof, man. So some, they've got some artist to draw this image of um these thylacine rounding up about a dozen sheep and there's fur and blood and everything going everywhere and then they get this printed in the paper with some crap article about how they're um interfering with the the wool trade Mm. and it was completely fictitious because every single person who knew anything about thylacines or studied them said they never ever hunted like that they weren't. They would um, not hunt in packs more than their pack size, which was never like their immediate family, which was never more than four offspring, and they didn't round up animals like that. It was just everything about it was completely fabricated. Yeah, and I guess it's yeah. There's no going back now. There's a little chapter, uh, isn't there? About uh, did you get into the genetics and whether they can bring this creature back oh yeah i did uh i glossed over that part and i'm just wondering if no no it's wouldn't that be interesting yeah there's the problem is and and this is one of the big things that they were talking about in the book was uh there's two major problems one is some of the uh liquids that they store these things in uh, degrade the DNA so they're not 100% sure they can get it to absolute mint condition DNA and the second part of that is if you were to uh, bring an animal back from a strand of DNA does it automatically acquire the same habits and mannerisms of the animal that lived for generations and I think that's a really good question do you know what i mean yeah that's a whole nother debate it it is isn't it because how do you know so say for argument's sake we uh, we bring a thylacine back next week perfect copy like it looks exactly like every picture ever drawn the photographs the the video everything um and we watch it run through the bush is it an accurate representation of uh, the way that animal would have conducted itself, you can never know that. Or well, I guess mm. you can only look at historic kind of reports and mm. yeah. Well, I think guess. they call it call it cloning, and I think it would be an interesting case because it's so recent that they yeah. so their habitat should not have changed that much. No, and the beautiful thing about Tasmania is it still doesn't have foxes. Because I said two hundred years ago before, but that's um, it's the, less they, they than had that. captivity. I uh, had creatures in captivity um, in the 
what was it in the fifties or the forties? Yeah, I think it was the was it thirty six or something where the last one um in captivity died. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's all black and white, yeah, back in the thirties. And so yeah, it's not long ago. No, it's not long ago in the scheme of things. Again. Uh yeah, it left me hmm. interesting. In a sense it it, it was very depressing, but in a sense, I, I absolutely loved the book. And then it almost left me positive in the end because I thought, well, um, and I know Tasmanians, they says it often in the book that Tasmanians are quite um, careful that they'll never make that mistake again with, with the other animals that they've got there now that are so unique. So uh, it's just sad that we had to get to that. Hmm. Yeah. I could talk about that all night. It was a bloody good book. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, mate. Yeah, it's good that we read a book sort of together. We can both yeah, chat about it's it here. Yeah, like book club. Ah, yeah, it was yeah. really good. I, I thought you – well, I've actually got a photograph of you reading um, That's at rare. the airport. That's I a know, rare photo. It's, that's why I got it. <laughs> uh, you're at the airport and I just did a sneaky um, – with my phone just to get <laughs> that's not very nice for reading. it's not very nice at all. <laughs> well, well if anyone argues and says no i know craig he can't read i'll say check this out <laughs> <laughs> well can i tell you about this crazy book i just finished reading yes please do that all right well i met this guy named uh, paul pritchard in one of the tents in the, at the film festival in yes. tassie Yes. Uh, we met him together, actually. You met him as well, and we talked about the soup we were enjoying. I bought him some soup. That's what it was, yes. And, uh, yeah, we had a, had a little bit of a chat, and I bought his book. And, and he gave, what did he give you, Craig? He gave me uh, a nice, tasty whiskey, a single malt whiskey to <laughs> Swig drink. of his whiskey. Yeah, it was fantastic. Flask. Yeah, it was <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty special. He's chatting away, and he just goes, oh, hey, hey, just... Whips this thing out. (laughs) You'll love this, Craig. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I bought his book and I now, I'm blown away by it. I wish I had read it before I met him so I could have appreciated meeting him a little more, I suppose. Um, It's called The Totem Pole and it dives really deeply into this guy and his life and his, uh, he was a, a professional, he was a writer who won awards and he was a really good climber, extreme climber who was um, travelling around the, the the world. And on his stop in Tasmania, he um, he had an accident, a serious accident on the totem pole, which is a, um, a amazing structure on the cliffs uh, on the on the coastline of Tassie, and. Um, yeah, sustained some some injury. A rock, they say, a rock the size of a television hit him on the head. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that's what happened. Oh wow. Yeah, so he um, is remarkable to be alive. Uh, the story is compelling. It's written really, really well. So I really loved reading the whole thing, and um, it starts with some of his earlier climbs and achievements and some of his accidents because this is he as he says his third serious accident so wow. he, he he is a little bit accident prone he admits and then it moves into 
His words, not yours. His words. <laughs> um, the rescue, and and that was incredible. And then, like, it goes through a diary that he was dictating while he was in um, in rehab. One side of his body was completely paralysed, and he went through a twelve month journey to regain some movement. And then the book ends at about you know, about 12 months or the, the diary ends about 12 months in and he returns to Tasmania 12 months later. Oh, wow. So the end of the book's fantastic. Isn't that, um, didn't he meet his wife in hospital? He doesn't get into that. Oh, right. But he told us that, yes. didn't he? Yes. He did tell us that. Yeah. But there's, at the end, there's a, a couple of nurses that you can tell he's friendly with and I think that perhaps one of them becomes his wife or something. I see, I see. But it doesn't say that in the book. Um yeah, right. You carried that book for 65 kilometres, didn't you? I know. It, it was... <laughs> that, that's done a hell of a journey in, in it w- itself. Yeah, it went with me because, um, yeah, at, at the time of purchase, I didn't realise I was going to have to take this along the trail. But um, <laughs> And I didn't get time to read it on the trail, which I was actually yeah, that subconsciously nice, thinking. Yeah. But uh, it was great. So that's my little book for the night. Oh, that's cool, man. I, I wouldn't mind uh, borrowing that potentially. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. Or maybe I'll hit him up and get my own copy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's um, he was very, very nice to talk to. Top bloke. Um, yeah, quite interesting. Mm. Um, I don't think I spoil much of the book. It's all written, like on the back, it, it goes through oh, his I, I fact that he had an accident. I can't really spoil books like that because it, uh, I can imagine it's going to go much to a much deeper place mm. yeah no, it was really cool oh that's good mate congratulations on reading two books mm. thank you everyone's <laughs> proud of you out there listening to the podcast there'll be a few people driving on public transport in, uh, shock. in the middle of um their gym workout and just a little tiny tear rolls down their cheek craig <laughs> you did it mate you bloody did it, you flaming galah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't, uh, hurt. it didn't hurt that much. No, I'm proud of you, mate. I'm proud you found time for that. Yeah, cool. Um, I alluded to, uh, so in the last podcast, I alluded to a book that I was uh, halfway through. And so I completed it, um, yeah, before the hike and all of that. It was a book called Between a Rock and a Hard Place and it was by Aaron Ralston, the uh, guy who was made famous for getting his arm jammed between a what mm. they call a chockstone, I think, um, mm. and a rock wall. Uh, in the movie 127 Hours. Yep. Uh so yeah, chockstones like uh, these boulders that, or or rocks that kind of erode in these real tight canyons, and a lot of time they might be as big as a car or as big as a fridge or whatever, and you can actually, um, a lot of time you know jump down onto them and use them to to travel down, um, and on this occasion he was I think he was standing on it uh, and then went to um, jump down in front of it and as he leaned it it spun came down towards his head and he's 
put up his hand instinctively to try and um, stop this thing smashing his head and it's pinned his uh, right hand against the wall and just wedged there. So there's photographs in the book that he was taking. He was doing a video diary and taking photos while he was while he was trapped and the photo looks so surreal because it goes from his standard size forearm um, down to <laughs> like paper thin hand stuck in. It's just freaky, man. Totally squashed. Oh, totally, completely and utterly destroyed. As thick as um, it'd be. Oh, I don't even know. You I've know. seen that movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, great. Um, he, sh- he should have been pretty happy that he got uh, that they cast. Was it Frankie? What's that actor's name? Frankie DeMarco or something? What's his name? I can't remember. Uh, I'm going to Google it. 127 hours movie. Um, what is the actor's name? That's him right there. Yeah. James Franco. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Franco plays plays him. I reckon, um, yeah, he was batting above his weight there. I think it was pretty generous to give him James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, yeah. back to the book. This was a difficult read for me. Not because he's not articulate. In fact, he's quite the opposite. He's a little, he's a little too articulate. He uh, writes everything. He's an engineer, and he writes everything way kind of overcooks things. Now, let me just take a step back. I'm not uh, having a go at him for um, not being able to write. He's not a writer. He's a guy who had his arm trapped and has done a very good job of putting together a book. I've never written a book, so I'll just shut the hell up right now. But I'll move on to the second part, which the the difficulty I had with the difficulty I had with this book is I was telling somebody at work, I was saying, read this book. If you want to know what not to do on every single adventure that you go on in the future, it was hard to read. It was like, um, it, it just played out like every single one of his adventures played out like, like a movie where you can just see the bad stuff coming and you go, oh my God, why did he... Why did he do that? Oh, you know, the killer's going to come through the door. You didn't lock it, you idiot. Like <laughs> It's literally like that every time because he, he does it quite a lot of um, revisiting uh, adventures from the past before he even gets to this trip. And then uh, <clears throat> while he's trapped, he'll, he'll kind of remember back to other trips he's done. There, there was one instance um, where... He's kind of, um, oh, it, I, f- I feel bad, like I'm, I'm hacking on this guy, but it was just, I mean, he kind of alluded to it himself. So 
I guess I can say the same thing, but he was just very ego driven and um, it, it made for uh, some really bad decisions. He was just one of these guys who's just trying to be the most crazy, the most hardcore, mm. do the most solo stuff. And uh, yeah, Pritchard talks of himself as a risk taker, which he sells himself as someone who probably took more risks than he should have as well. Right. And some of his earlier adventures were, you could be said, you know, he possibly was pushing his ego to that point where he got hurt, you know. Right. Um, so it's maybe that's part of adventures sometimes for these guys that are on yeah. the extreme side of, you know, climbing and. Oh, yeah, yeah, you see, I don't know, I'm not convinced, I'm not convinced that, I 100% agree with your point, I'm not convinced that this particular individual um, needs to, needed to be at that level. I feel like it was almost an inadequacy that drove him beyond uh logic into stupidity yeah. to then go to a point where no one else in their right mind would go mm. so then he could claim that he went there and you didn't mm. uh just countless stories like one that really stands out to me is he was uh with this group of guys and they were uh search and rescue um they trained in search and rescue together so again, he should he should know his stuff. He should know what what you do and don't do. He was specifically training with some did some avalanche training, and he knew uh, very specifically about avalanches and and uh, what I find interesting because we don't live in a place that has snow is I learned um, I have learned over the years quite a bit about avalanches, and there's a sweet spot where it's highly dangerous. So if you have a really steep terrain, you're actually in less danger because the snow can't stay on the side of the hill. It just continually kind of self-regulates. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. And then the opposite of that is a more flat terrain where there's not enough angle. For, so the snow is going to build up high, but there's not enough angle for it to slide anywhere. So you're safe there as well. Then there's this optimum dangerous level i think it's a from memory i'm sure it's like 38 degrees or something um so not even 45 degree angle a bit less and that's the absolute danger zone where um it's not steep enough for it to self-regulate it's not flat enough for it not to move and anything can can tip it off all right so He's with these two other guys, and they're all um, experts and everything. Not not experts. They're highly trained in avalanche. And there's this, how could I explain it? This big bowl, let's call it a big bowl, like a big winding ridge, and all fresh powder. And they're saying, well, let's just follow the top of the ridge. And he says to them, oh, check out the bowl, man. Like, it's unskied it's fresh powder it looks epic man let's shred it come on dude and talks these guys into he goes i'll go first he goes first and just carves up this fresh powder gets down to the bottom of the ridge nothing happens 
the next guy goes, gets there and they're laughing and hooting, high five and nothing happens. The third guy takes off, skis down there, gets down there and nothing happens. And I thought, well, that was still a silly risk, but okay, you had a, a pretty cool experience. And then they're sitting there eating some energy bars or something, just saying, wow, that was so cool. And then he remembers thinking, geez, that wind sounds like it's getting up. And then at the last second realized that the three of them had triggered an avalanche. It had just taken a few seconds after the last guy to trigger. Mm. And that whole side of the mountain just comes down and smashes them to pieces um he said there was blocks of snow the size of refrigerators like just rolling past them and smashing them and and he um yeah real bad real bad he uh came up and had had his face in the snow and he managed to get out he the other guy one of the other guys somehow got out and then the two of them had beacons and they triangulated uh, where the third guy was hmm. and uh, from his beacon and they dug him out and he had um, snow like jammed down his, so far down his mouth and throat that he just couldn't breathe. So he was actually blue and uh, they, they scooped it out and um, pulled him out of the snow and he, he came to and he survived and... Um, the rest of their friends were in this um, hut not too far away and they came up and and got them and took them back and warmed everybody up and treated everybody. And then the next day, those two guys said, we're out of here, we're going home. And they never, ever spoke to him again because hmm. they this this guy and this guy's ego had talked him and pushed them into... Hmm. Um, I can't believe they didn't die. I can't believe one of them didn't die. That guy that was um, had all that snow jammed down his face. Could have died. <sighs> so, um, yeah, I remember the movie painted him as a, as a, a bit of a show, show off, I suppose. Like, uh, Yeah, I don't remember the movie that much. And I, to be honest, I don't think I'll ever go back and watch it again. But the book's not about that movie. Is You're, you're getting to, to – it's more about the guy, you know, before and after as well. So it's like his thoughts. It's not just the movie – Yes, I guess so, because I guess the mu- the movie um, just starts does, it. It kind of just starts at him. Um, yeah, yeah, and, how, and and then you and then on the actual day. So when he does set out, he does he doesn't do himself any favors. He doesn't he instead of giving someone oh here's where I'm thinking of going. Yeah, he gave them um, an entire state or an entire like massive area yeah like you know yeah. i'm going to utah yeah, i know yeah. <laughs> of what okay good we'll look for you there yeah i remember that no one knew where he was they had no idea where he was he didn't tell people when he'd be back he half committed to this uh party out in the desert again like he's such a he's like oh yeah i'm gonna hike all day and ride my mountain bike and then I'm going to go to this party and party all night and then I'm going to drive all the way home and do an overnighter and get home and then I'll be at work um, for 8 a.m. in the morning and I'll work the whole day. Like it, that to him was being 
radical and pushing yeah. the limits and everything. Yeah. Um, so uh, he didn't tell anyone where he was. He half committed to this party, didn't turn up there. Nobody took much notice because they went, oh, well, he didn't really say he was definitely coming. He, he half committed to another party at his house. Um, again, when he didn't turn up, they went, ah, oh, he's probably just, um, you know, staying out an extra night. Like, big deal. That's him. He's he's always out. He's always doing stuff. Hmm. Uh, he never tells us exactly. So he's created this kind of habit of um, being loose and, and that's that's what really... Hmm. hurt him in the end yeah it would have it would have been a hard read on that yeah level. i forced myself through it because i was waiting for a moment where yeah. he'd have an epiphany and right. say i was a real um i was a real ass and uh didn't come i re- it didn't really come right. there was a few moments where i think in his own way maybe he thinks he said that but um I don't know. I, I feel like I've. I was thinking. I've been thinking about this book for weeks now, and thinking, how honest do I? How honest, honest am I going to be about this book, or do I just not even talk about it? Because the truth of the matter is, is is um, <laughs> this could come back to bite me. This be hilarious to someone else, not to me. Um, you know, if the guy rang me up and said, "Hey, man, that was a bit harsh." I'd still have to say, well, mate, if you think it was harsh, like, explain to me why why I wasn't harsh. Or no, sorry, explain to me why you think that I shouldn't have been that harsh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, give me a reason. Recipe for disaster by the sound of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was the perfect storm mm. and every single component of it, he set it up himself. Uh, so I don't know how he could defend himself and like I said, I don't really feel like he got to the end of that and then said, hey, everyone, I was a bit of a dick. Uh, but I'm a much better person now. I, I just didn't get it. I didn't. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who I'm recommending this book to. <laughs> I think that um, I think that it's a very interesting book. That's a way of putting it. I definitely found it was an interesting book. I learned a lot from it. I learned about avalanches. I learned about uh, a lot about canyoning. I learned about the logistics of all of that. I learned about the the, the physiological uh, logistics of cutting your own arm off with a blunt pen knife. That was actually interesting. The way he describes the whole endeavor is very, it's actually better than the movie. It's very interesting the way that he talks about the feelings and, and then the emotions and then what it felt like, what it smelled like, all these things was very interesting. So I I guess that's what kept me ticking over. And he he does do a, that's when his uh, over-engineered writing, uh, comes into its own because the detail is so specific that you feel like you know exactly what he's talking about and it really fits those sections so uh, yeah credit credit for um being able to articulate that because uh um i really felt like i was there doing it myself when i was reading that 
And it did lead me to think, like probably everyone who's ever watched that movie has thought, could you do it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's the big question, man. Yeah. Nobody knows it. Could you do it? Hardcore. Would you do it? How long would you wait? Uh, It's just um, the big question. And I was listening to a podcast uh, earlier this week of a lady who was attacked by a grizzly bear. Um, And uh, it's quite an interesting story, actually, but she gets bitten on the head. It's trying to it's trying to eliminate a threat. So it was in the process of killing her, crushing her head and the um, teeth were going through her skull and just at that moment in time, she um, uh, managed to unholster the pepper spray, um, the bear spray and spray it behind her head and it got it right and got the bear right in the face and it, immediately let go and took off into the bush didn't know what uh didn't know what hit it and um she survived and in the podcast they say to her you know other people have said to her since then oh i i don't think i could have been bitten in the head and fought it off and then walked two miles to the car and then driven because she was out in the middle of nowhere doing research on bears, funnily enough, black bears, not grizzlies. So, and her response to everyone is just, well, you don't know until you're there. And I think you probably could, like, if I could do it, you'll just snap into it. Uh, and I think that's a, mm. a fairly valid point. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think it, you'd, you'd think it might come naturally, but geez, that's an epic story. Cutting the arm off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, to me, the grizzly ones, more fight or flight it's instantaneous you don't think about it something's biting you in the head and you're you're reacting and yeah um you know after that making her way back to the car she knew that she was bleeding but she didn't look she just didn't want to know about it she just (laughs) and and i i'd be the same man i reckon i don't even i don't want to know um how much blood or how deep it is if if i die on the way to the car i die but Otherwise, I'm focused on getting there, not on my wounds. Mm. But yeah, to actually be stuck in a situation where the threat is not immediate and you're not going to die in two minutes or two seconds and you have literally day upon day upon day of thinking about cutting your arm off is just beyond... uh, I just can't put myself in that state of mind to think of how I'd react. Mm. Yeah, scary stuff. Scary spine <coughs> tingling, creepy <laughs> stuff, man. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to um, jump to, uh, as I promised earlier, I'm going to jump to a film and a super positive um, finish to Books with Tom this week. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, with Wolfpack. It's called Wolfpack. It's a film by Patagonia. Only goes for. Um, just under 12 and a half minutes. It's set in the San, San Juan, San Juan Mountains uh, above Silverton, Colorado. And this was a standout 
film uh, for me in the um, Cradle Mountain Film Festival on the Mountain Film Night. And I think, Craig, you were saying it was for you as well. Yeah, 100%. It's a family of, um, they're five, isn't it? Mum, dad, two girls and a boy from memory and a dog. And... <laughs> <coughs> uh, and they basically, uh, I, I'm not really spoiling anything, but they, the parents had a, had their own addictions and uh, their own problems and they took to, um, to trail running to kind of um, start to hang out together again and put health and fitness uh, into, uh, I guess, into their life. And their kids have just taken to it and there's these um, beautiful opening shots of spectacular, rugged mountains, snow-covered mountains of the mum and dad. And then later on there's these fantastic, uh, real cinematic kind of drone shots of this line of everyone running behind each other on this trail. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And the little dog kind of scampering along with them. And um, the the kids are just adorable. Like the son's just the, the most excitable kid. and he, That quirky teenager. Yeah, yeah, with the long hair. And he just <laughs> loves his dad, like just absolutely loves his dad. And um, man, that struck home like I almost um, got a bit teary watching that, just thinking this is... Yeah, so simple. Like running is so simple. Uh, even if you got a crappy pair of shoes, you can run slowly or whatever. Like anyone can do it. And what they've done with their family is uh, it's just fantastic. They're they're all fit units, and and um, they're not just running. They're doing ultra marathons. Like they do this. They pan across uh, all of the trophies they've got. And there's like 100 milers and 200 miler um, mm. trophies that she's got and he's yeah. got. Yeah. And um, remember, I, I can't quote it exactly, but they were saying that um, how old the kids were when they were entering these 50 mile races and stuff. And it was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, really young. Doing really young. Pretty awesome runs. Doing big, big numbers. Such a good story. Yeah, it was, it was a beautiful film. I give. Um, I give uh, the guys full credit for whoever shot and produced that. Yeah. I saw it as a beautiful film. I've recommended it to so many people. It's not funny. Like people that don't get outdoors, people that don't um, uh, run, just 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 because I think the message is is strong. The message is if you're passionate about something, include your kids in it and make it something to do with the whole family so yeah i love that so you've found it available there on youtube yeah it's on the patagonia's um youtube channel so you'll chuck a link up i will the show put notes. the i'll put the um in the show notes i'll oh. put it in there so people can watch the whole film i'll definitely watch it again yeah put your put your headphones on or run it stream it through your tv or something um uh get it on a big screen if you can as i said some really cinematic shots and uh i don't know i can't, can't say enough good things about that i sure. should really check it out good one knowing you craig since you take my uh advice and watch 
We watched Full of Sturker. Full of Sturker. <laughs> yeah. You probably probably will watch Wolfpack again. <laughs> Made my sister watch Full of Sturker the other day. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, because we were talking about that. And then she, oh, well, we didn't watch the whole lot. Um, watch half of it. And then she made me watch these grizzly bear attacks. You've seen this this guy that... Um, <laughs> oh, she made you watch Yeah, yeah, because I talked about that. And then she brought this one, this guy, he just... I think you've seen it with me too. He, get, he, he just films himself walking back to his truck oh, where he's yes. just been fully torn up. Yes, I have seen gets that. Gets in his truck and yeah. um, drives himself, himself home or whatever. Yeah, I have seen that. That's pretty cool film, <laughs> like um, pretty amazing adventure. Yeah, to survive that. Yeah, I saw that. And then I feel other... like I saw that years ago. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then this yeah. other one we watched where these trainers were had this grizzly bear that was actually a famous movie bear, and then it killed. Was it Yogi? <laughs> <laughs> it um it killed one of the trainers or one of the trainers' cousins, I believe, was um posing for some photos and it just got him in the neck and that was it. Wow. This, this week on When <laughs> Animals Attack. <laughs> That's, it would literally have been on one of those shows. Yeah. It would have been. But it was on YouTube, so there you go. Uh, that's just a rabbit hole <laughs> going down that conversation. Oh, man, have you heard about chimps when they go mad? No. Oh, I don't even know if I should say it. But it's they... <laughs> are um, extremely strong. Oh, yeah. And bigger than you think. Yeah, yeah. And malicious, malicious, conniving. Man, I'm I not going to say it. It's gross. It's ho- they're horrible things, man. Mm. Don't buy a chimp. <laughs> Don't go near chimps. <laughs> What's next on your list? Uh, hey, about the segment name, can someone just start giving me some ideas? I get feedback on a lot of stuff. I appreciate it all, but come on, give me a segment name. What? If we're going to be including... Yeah, Books with Tom. It's got films now. Oh. Should it still have films? I don't know. Tell me, is it Books with Tom and then the segment Films with Tom? It seems a bit of overkill. And yeah. they're both really well named, so you can't take that away from me. And I guess it means I'm not allowed to watch any films or books. No, you you read two books. You're allowed to watch a film. All right. You, you can join in. All right. But it's it was just show. that you'd never read, so why would I call it Books with Tom and Craig? It's <laughs> Books with Tom and Craig watching. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it's felt like yeah. <laughs> at times. Not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. It's good. Yep. Uh... Shout outs. Okay, how's this, Craig? We got mentioned by uh, a gentleman called Michael Hyden. I think that's how you would pronounce it. Uh, He's over in the US and he has his own podcast. And he sent us a message and said, hey, guys, I mentioned you in, in my latest podcast. He's just kicking off. So good on you, mate, starting that journey. It's a difficult one, but but if you're having fun, keep on trucking. Yep. He's uh, He talks about us and gives a plug. I really appreciate it. But he the reason he talks about us is he said that we were discussing when we were going through the uh, news feeds for hiking and we always see people lost 
people, <laughs> you know, you know, remember that conversation? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's talking about a very similar thing, and uh, and he and he referred to us and said, oh yeah, on, that we talked about it on our podcast. And so yeah, it was cool. It was kind of surreal to listen to a podcast of someone talking about us to- talking on our podcast. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate it. His podcast is called All Overland. Is that, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yeah, All Overland. Or is it Go All Over? No, sorry. It's called Go All Over. The podcast is called Go All Over. His... Uh, Facebook page and everything's called All Overland. Cool. Now, what I haven't worked out, so Michael, you're going to have to tell us, or, or anyway, maybe it's a US thing, is I don't know what overlanding is. I don't, is it uh, forward driving? Yeah. Or it is? You reckon it is? Yeah. So a lot of people make up their vehicle to um, be able to sleep in or yeah, have a right. rooftop tent. So it's usually without a trailer, I think. So yeah, I think you might be right. Well, when I had a look at his website and everything, it <clears throat> it seems like what is overlanding? Overlanding describes self-reliant adventure travel to remote destinations where the journey is the primary goal. Okay, so it's kind of like what we'd call four-wheel drive camping. Okay, so I'm looking at a Wikipedia page here where there's... Well, yeah, that's a beast. Um, I don't know why those pictures disappeared. Basically images of, yeah, people forward driving, rooftop tents, staying in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, we'd just call that camping, wouldn't we? We'd call it forward driving and, and camping. Yeah, pretty much, but I think they try and say that you can almost live in those things. Which is well, like that big bus-looking so. thing you could. Yeah. Oh, speaking of four-wheel driving, I took my. Um, oh, let me just close that off. Uh, thanks, Michael. Really appreciate yeah. the shout out. Um, I took my um, car out for its first off-road test um, oh, yeah. last weekend. Truly. Yeah, yeah. I haven't <clears throat> had it off-road since I've owned it, and it just ate the track up man it was amazing mm-hmm. such a good ride and i felt um incredible difference in so many things the suspension yeah. the articulation across um tires. across rust the tires was a Makes massive one like you've seen the you know on the edges of the tires they got these massive lugs hanging yeah. out yeah and i drove into this um I guess you'd call it a mud hole and the car dropped into about a meter deep and um, I just chucked it into first and just planted my foot and it just crawled out and I could really feel the tires gripping and then in other parts we were going over um, all these rock ledges so um, not, not shale but more like sandstone rock steps and I just put it in low range first and it was just crawling up like a tarantula it was just no drama I didn't have to over rev it because this vehicle is a diesel uh, which I switched from a petrol to a diesel and never looked back 
Yeah, really impressed, man. I had such a good time. Got having, mud all over it. Having that lift, that lift over your old vehicle is just so much better, right? Having oh, that, yeah, that height. It's, it's high. It's got um, some crazy suspension upgrades and, yeah, it was good fun. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's cool. Anyway. Awesome. I forgot to tell you about that earlier. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's why I wanted my other laptop, Craig. I remember now. Um, I was looking at our uh, Podbean page, <clears throat> or rather the statistics of where our the podcast. podcast, yeah, where our podcast gets listened to okay. from. Oh, yeah. And it was absolutely fascinating. Let me see if I can quickly uh, grab that other laptop. Hang on a second. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Here it is. If this doesn't just fire straight up, I'll, I'll just ad lib and remember as much as I can. 35% battery. Okay. <clears throat> Good. So, the top... This is the top five places that listen to us. Well, just to play, just to be clear, that's over um, the last month or so. February, March, April, last three months. Uh, United States uh, was is big. It's the biggest. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Howdy. Love y'alls. I think that's what they say over there. Uh, Australia. G'day, guys. How you going? All right. Bonza. Uh, Canada. Hey. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's bordering on racism. Uh, <laughs> United Kingdom. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> and number five. Of all the places, mm. what do you think about that, Craig? Of all the places on the globe, mm -hmm. the fifth most listened or downloaded country Jeez. Denmark. Denmark. I should have Googled how to say um, thank you or something in Denmarkian, but I haven't. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, I've just I can only imagine that hmm. it's um because you guys like to get out in the mountains and stuff and Danish they speak right Denmark Danish. hopefully they speak English because they're not going to we keep doing our entire podcast in English yeah and um <laughs> yeah oh I think you're right though that's that's strange I wonder how that happened I don't know. I appreciate it. Bring it it's on. It's cool. You know, I reckon it happened. I reckon it happened when we had guests like um, Oddbjörn. Oddbjörn. And then uh, Thomas mm -hmm. from Sweden. Mm -hmm. I think those those guys really kind of um, got us some listens. Because I'm just going through detailed stats here. Um, thank you. Sweden, so that's still big. Finland, 
12 people in Finland downloaded our episodes. Thank you. <coughs> Singapore, Germany, France. This is where it starts to get crazy. Israel, Spain, Ireland, Netherlands, South Korea, uh, Austria, Japan. Arigatou gozaimasu. Hontoni arigatou gozaimasu. Kenya, Belgium, one person in Chile, one person in India, one person in Iraq. Lithuania. Lithuania. And, and then it has others, like there are other places in the world that are not listed yeah, on yeah. this list. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You're putting in Lithuania. I'll tell you what I saw when I looked at some other stats um, was some crazy places like uh, Latvia. Yeah. One person in Latvia. Listen, um, and I bet their name was Giannis, if it was a guy. Yeah. Yeah, because they... Um, I think they have a thing where they name all their sons Giannis. All right. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I learned that off another podcast. Anyway, I th- I wanted to say, I wanted to specifically speak out to all of those countries because it, it really does blow my mind that we reach so far and wide. Um, it's not like I don't appreciate the, uh, the U.S., um, listeners, Australian listeners, of course we do, everyone else. But hmm. to just uh, get into those one or two people in these crazy, crazy places is also uh, equally rewarding. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you. Uh, the next thing I wanted to do, Craig, is mm-hmm. I want to give some stuff away because... Um, a, it's been a while and B, the guys who received the stuff last time were really super happy. Um, one of the guys actually sent me a photo of him, um, wearing on a hike, I think it was with his wife wearing, uh, his, um, Caribbean hat, trucker's hat and his, uh, Rios sunglasses. <laughs> Very <laughs> it was cool. pretty cool. Um, awesome. I'll show it to you real quick if I can find it. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. That went down really well. And I thought we could um, have a bit of fun with it because we like fun. Yeah. Um, so, I thought you have to do two things and we'll send you a hat. And you get a choice of a grey one or a blue one, but we'll cover that later. So, give us some feedback. I don't care what medium you use. I don't care if it's on Instagram, Spotify, Facebook. Uh, no, it's not Spotify. Sorry, what I meant to say was Podbean, iTunes, um, Facebook. You can email us at uh, team at com. I don't care how you contact us, Messenger on Facebook, whatever you want. Just give us some form of feedback. I know a lot of you guys already do, and I really appreciate it, and I read it all. Um, so tell us if um, it's good, if it's shit, or if it's good shit. Uh, just just tell us what you think. Um, and then you have to answer this question. Hmm? You ready? Yeah. If you send me a free Caribbean trucker's hat, I'll... 
You got to finish the sentence. Wow. Wear it. Yeah, could be that. I mean, I don't think, if you answered that, I don't <laughs> think you'd be in the, I'd put you down on the list, but I wouldn't put you up the top of the list. Okay. So you might say, hey guys, um, love the podcast, or I don't like the podcast, Tom talks too much, and mm. he's he never has his um, notes together, and he's always fumbling for words. Mm. If you give me the hat, I'll wear it next time I'm hiking and uh, tag you guys in a photo on Instagram. Cool. That might go okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I'm not going to take it personally. Um, actually, I can't guarantee that I'm not going to take it personally. Does everyone who does this get a hat or are we going No, to- no, no. Good call. Boy, you saved me then. <laughs> Could have 20,000 people requesting hats. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> Let's say, because I like, I like giveaways when I don't have to be too specific about numbers because sometimes, because I just like giving stuff away. So I'm going to say somewhere around three to four, right? Yeah. Three to four hats I'm going to give away. Makes sense. Um... If there was some absolute gold, I'd probably extend it maybe another one or two. Um, but I, I don't care where you're from. It, it doesn't matter. Last time I sent um, one pack down to in Australia and then one over to the US. So it, it that really doesn't matter. Cool. Just encourage you guys to get in touch. And um, yeah, Caribbean sent us some pretty cool truckers hats. So... I'll get in there if you want one then. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, I might even still have one pair of uh, Rios polarized sunglasses left, but I'm not going to promise that until I go and check my stock. But uh, yeah, do that. What do you think of that, Craig? Is that okay? Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Pretty fair. Yeah. I'm just asking for words in return for cold, hard caps. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. No, All cool. right. At this point, I think I've I've covered everything and got you guys up to date with everything we're doing. We're going to jump now to the recordings that we took uh, along our hike in Tasmania a couple of weeks back. Hopefully, they're good. <laughs> yeah, we have not yet listened. We have not yet listened. There'll be something in there. Uh, and what we'll do at the end is... Uh, We'll jump back in at the end in the studio here and just um, add a few bits and pieces if we think uh, anything was missing and uh, also just sign off. So if that's good with you, Craig, we should uh, get to it. Yep, for sure. All right, enjoy. Good morning, Craig. Mm, It is. It's uh, 13 minutes past the hour of 7 a.m., Somewhere around 4.5 degrees Celsius. <clears throat> and it says in the little comment underneath, feels like minus 4.4 degrees mm-hmm. Celsius. <laughs> uh, if you hear any noise, we're just eating breakfast. <clears throat> it's going to be windy. It's going to be cold and windy. <clears throat> a, bit, a bit wet. 
going to be good. All those things. Mm-hmm. Have you enjoyed the festival and everything so far, Craig? Oh, it's been great. <clears throat> it's been so good to meet some cool people, man, and um, to, like, watch film after film of adventure activities. <clears throat> I thought, yeah, I didn't expect it to be so good, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd, I've been... I've been to festivals where it's really mixed up with different genres and stuff and you don't know what's going to come next. And Yeah, right. Um, that's good too, but this was um, some pretty awesome films. Mm. Stuff we don't get a chance to see. No, there was some fantastic stuff. I'm going to take this. I've got this guide in front of me from last night. So the um, first part of the film festival on Friday night when we arrived... It was a couple of Australian films and then and also a couple of international. But the Mountain Film Festival, which a lot of you are probably familiar with, is um is predominantly US. And I'm just gonna look at the what did we watch? Oh yeah. There's a movie called Intersection with this girl called Michaela Gatto. She's a professional mountain bike rider and an artist. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I liked absolutely. that one. Uh, what else did you like? Oh, I didn't mind Frontier of Firsts. <clears throat> yeah, which was um, <clears throat> yeah, which was which was a kayaking film where they uh, used float planes to fly into really remote locations and then and then kayak some of these crazy rapids that was pretty cool yeah mm. yeah really dangerous <clears throat> i remember saying to you that's the quickest way to get into hospital yeah <laughs> drop everything um that was a heavily ski downhill ski featured one remember that the yeah. Michelle Parker. Yeah. That was about. Life Coach, that was an interesting little film. I actually really liked it. Man. Um, yeah, I didn't mind that at all. It's directed by R- Renan Ozturk. He's a uh, very, very good mountain climber. Yep. Yeah, he's knocked around with Ad- Alex Honnold for years. Uh, but Rand's life has kind of taken him in the direction of filming documentaries and his uh, painting and stuff like that as well. So it's not even a film about climbing, which is what makes it pretty cool. It's more of like a film about Alex asking Rand questions about you know how he feels about taking a break, well not taking a break, stepping back, but just putting it, yeah, not not having it as a high priority like. As he says in the film, all Alex does is wake up to climb and climbs yep. to live. It's a different, different way of life. Yeah. No, it was really interesting that they put a funny little twist on that, like a different angle than I would saw coming. It was good. Mm. <clears throat> I'm eating oats. And I made oats for Craig, so... Thanks, but, but they're already cold. <laughs> yeah, I think we got to get used to that. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I had a cold shower <laughs> this morning. I wonder if you can mention that. 
It was... I can hear him from out here. It was the second coldest water I've ever been in. I wouldn't... I'm not going to use the word painful. It was psychologically scarring, but physically... Sounded like it. <laughs> arousing. <laughs> oh, jeez. I, I had a terrible hot shower. It was... T- it was... <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> it was so nice. But um, I yeah. tried to warn him. <laughs> that was really good. Last one for a little while. Yeah, the only things we got ahead are um, pretty much just streams and and some beautiful lakes. If we want to think about getting uh, clean and. Um, in any way mm. hey back to the mountain film that uh, movie called The Wolf Pack that was good wasn't it <coughs> was it about the family yeah yeah that was really good it was good uh, yeah because um, Craig and I were making a comment earlier on uh, I think we might have touched on it last night at the film festival but we definitely spoke about it today and said well, not today yesterday and said when you just can't compete with uh, extreme sports for that almost that crazy factor. So you're watching a film and you go, "Wow, that guy jumped off the biggest cliff with his snowboard or whatever." We'll, we're never going to do anything like that. So our stuff's never going to be of that caliber. But then this film proved a point that we were both making through the festival that the storytelling is the actual is the draw card. And this film's about a family of five. They had three kids, didn't three they? Three kids, yeah. Two girls and a boy. And this family run together and they uh, ultra run together, do all of the massive races, 106 milers and crazy stuff like that. This, uh, his, what do you say, his 10-year-old did a 50, yeah, his 10-year-old did a 50-kilometer race yeah and his 14 year old 13 or 14 year old boy completed the 106 miler yeah he was the youngest person to do it just incredible Mm. Uh, but i mean the film wasn't about their amazing feats the film was about the fact that running trail running in particular uh, brings that whole family together on a regular basis hmm I'm gonna open the blinds to let in some. Um, some. Uh, I'm not gonna call it sunlight. Ooh. I'm just gonna say. It's murky. <laughs> so you can see those inky clouds out there. Gee. We're gonna walk out into that in approximately uh, 25 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, there's no color out there. <clears throat> no, it's gray, gray. Mm. But something we're getting used to here is um, it actually, the sun doesn't come up as early as where we're from. So uh, when the alarm goes off the last two mornings, I've thought that it, I had said it wrong <laughs> significantly. This morning it was pitch black. Yeah. Yesterday we slept in because we were a bit worn out and I set my alarm for... Time to set for nine, nine a.m. I mm. woke up at seven and thought it was about 
4 a.m. and it was 7. Mm. And then uh, I set it for 9 and when I woke up at 9, I thought I thought it was still about 7. It was so dark outside. No, but we were up and at it today. Yeah, feeling pretty good actually. How are you feeling? Feeling good. I've got um, to throw a little bit in my pack. We're yeah, gonna... I've got a bit of packing to do. Um, we're going to walk out this door in about 15 minutes, mate. <clears throat> yeah, just just a bit over. Um, not till I finish my banana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, anyway, it was really good that they um they gave you a plug last night while we were all sitting. Oh there, yeah. Right? About your so we're going to walk to a couple of huts today, which are screening films, including Tom's, which will be so good. Yeah, that was really nice of that. It was the film festival operator. Uh, jumped up during the mountain film segment and said, by the way, tomorrow the, there's a film playing out in one of the huts. Make sure you get along and check it out. Um, I thought that was really, really nice of her to do that. And mm. and then uh, then I woke up and saw the weather and I said to Craig, nobody's going out to see the film today <laughs> except <laughs> us because yeah. we, we literally have to walk past it. To put it in context, we have to walk past that hut to get to our destination uh, tonight, which is, um, I guess we haven't really explained what we're doing. So we've spent the last two days here at the film festival. <clears throat> and then today, which is Sunday, we move out with our packs, hike to this hut, watch the film, and then continue on our way uh, for the rest of the day and then that's day one of a six-day, uh, roughly 75-kilometre uh, hike, mm. if you add in a couple of the side trails we're going to do. So, yeah, that's what we're up to, and that's why we thought we'd just quickly do a little snippet for you. And what do you reckon, mate, going to see your film that was shot here on that thing today? Is it going to be pretty special? Everyone seems to think it is couple of people <clears throat> one of the guides that was in the film she can't wait to get up there today and watch it mm. and the actual um, film festival Cradle Mountain Film Festival organiser is really stoked to have it up there as well it hasn't really sunk in yet it's kind of it's such a juxtaposition in that you shouldn't be you don't hike for a couple of hours and then watch your own film in a hut in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So it hasn't really sunk in that that's actually going to happen. No, I reckon it'll be... Um, yeah, I reckon it'll be really nice for you, mate, to to see what you've done uh, in that situation. So I hope it goes well. I hope you enjoy that feeling. <clears throat> yeah, thanks, man. I'll be soaking it up. Uh, the I had to give a talk yesterday about the film. And I was pretty nervous about that just because I changed my direction a bit late in the piece. But I was really happy with how it all came together. You may have seen a couple of photos and a little snippet Craig took on his phone. Uh, We will talk to the Cradle Mountain Film Festival and see if we can use the audio that I recorded. See if we can get that out to you guys. Uh, if it's any interest of you, we might drop it into a podcast. 
I know somebody who's actually already asked that. Jodes, good on you, mate. <coughs> he already said um, it'd be great to, to hear that. So we'll see what we can do, mate. Uh, anything else to add before we sign off, mate? No, mate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, get packing. Yeah, I've got a 10 minutes of packing to do, and uh, I have nothing else to add, but we're going to get out there. Hit the trail. We'll talk to you guys periodically. We're not sure how it's going to work. It all depends on how we feel and the weather, but let's see how we go. This is it. This is everything we've wanted. Mm-hmm. If we walk across the road here, we'll be at the start of the overland track. Oh, what? Almost forgot my apple, <laughs> which I can't fit anywhere <laughs> in my pack because it's so full. At least it's nice and sunny. That's one thing we've got. There you go. Warm, warm and sunny. Just waiting for Craig to um, go down this hill and then come up the other side. Purely just for a photograph. I'm getting hammered at the moment. Just got my back to the wind. Uh, I should be thankful that it's not raining, but the waves of clouds and rain are moving through pretty quickly, so who knows how long that'll last. Craig's over there, got his snacks, like he's at the cinema. Because I do a lot of silly things. This is one of them. I'm actually, I'm not nude yet, but I will be, which is a bit weird now because Craig's right there. I don't know what's with him. It's all right. Um, we're good mates, but what I'm trying to do here is uh, get in this water and put it in perspective. I'd say it was point four degrees celsius last night or thereabouts and uh there's still snow on some of the mountains when we were cruising around all right stop talking get this gear off hope this you might want to look the other way mate <laughs> he's still looking all right oh Jeez. I just went for a swim and it was awesome. Craig's cruising around taking some photos and I got a whole bunch of snacks. It's not an actual lunch, but it will be my lunch. I've got chocolate, um, Cliff Bar, beef jerky, 
and uh, salted uh, cashews. Cashews. This is a life. I'm just here eating a cliff bar, enjoying the view. And uh, what do you know? <laughs> Old mate over here. Has <laughs> decided to go for it. Hey, why do you still got pants on? Get your pants off. That sounds weird, no matter which way you say Whoa! It's going to, we're going to have to put a big blurry bit on this footage. I would recommend you going down that nice sandy bit, and then it gets deeper where you can jump in. <laughs> it's funnier watching it than doing it. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look at the view. He said he wasn't going to do it before. He said he's too old for that shit. <laughs> oh, goodness me. That's going to be a tough edit, that one. <laughs> Welcome back, people. Uh, here we are, day two. Day two. Getting, getting pretty late in the day. Um, <clears throat> let me paint a little picture. I'm just tying up my boots while I'm talking in front of Lake Will, which is at the base of a mountain called Barn Bluff. So that noise you can hear is little wind chop waves washing up against the beach. You can hear some little um, kind of a sparrow or a finch. You hear that? No, yeah. he's up in that tree there. He's up in the top of that tree there. Oh yeah. See him moving around. Um, <clears throat> we just had a visit from this massive bumblebee, which I hope, hope the video footage comes out. Yeah. Landed on my hand. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and what what have you just done, Craig? That was. Have you done anything exciting lately? <coughs> oh, I may have just put my clothes back on from a freezing swim. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. It was, <laughs> it was so funny to watch. Oh, I haven't laughed that much for a while. It was freezing. It's cold water. That's a fact. I think those words you said, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I went in before and... I've been to this lake once and I sucked out. I didn't do it. And I always thought that was silly. But I got in today, despite 
standing in there talking for two minutes while my legs went numb. And then I said to Craig, yeah, I think I did use those words. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. No, you said that when I was saying, oh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. Oh, yeah, right. And then you said that, and I went, you know what? I'm not probably going to come back here with the sun out like this again. Here we go. Yeah, well, that's a good point. You might come back here, but to have full sunshine. We're actually on a white sandy beach, which does not make any sense at all because we are in the middle of this massive island called Tasmania at the bottom of Australia. And we've hiked for a day and a half to get into the middle of nowhere and this lake has sandy white beach shores yeah and the the temperatures aren't aren't warm but it's just come warm today and we've just had finished a hike so we thought we could do it yeah just had lunch and um oh there's good footage of, of craig no clothes on jumping no. around in the water so there's no footage <laughs> Don't say there's footage. There is no footage. <laughs> you keep an eye out for that. <laughs> uh, and uh, that'll be good. That's wrong. That's wrong. There's absolutely no footage of that, unfortunately. <laughs> no one was expecting me to do it. Oh, wow. It caught me off guard. Oh, caught my GoPro off guard in my hand. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no way. That's not going to be seen. All right. We're just packing up our gear now. We've been sitting around eating a bunch of snacks. We're going to pack up our gear and hike back to the main trail. And then we probably still have another hour or two of cruising. Pretty easy stuff and a lot of downhill. To our next stop. I don't know, maybe tonight we should try and... Uh, do a bit of a, a bit more chatting like this. Didn't really get a chance last night. That's okay. alright. <clears throat> alright, signing off. Cheers. We haven't got far to go now. Once we dip over this next ridge, we'll go through some forest and we'll pop out at Lake Windermere and that's where our campsite is for the night. Fantastic day though. It's just gorgeous out there. I'm just sitting here Taking a few photographs of a mountain called Barn Bluff. Just kind of waiting for the sky to change. And uh, I've got um, chocolate. So I'm gonna sneak a bit of that in while I'm waiting. We just had dinner and I'm gonna take some photos till the sun goes down 
And we've got a clear night tonight, which means maybe I can do some astrophotography. Otherwise, we need to get an early night anyway. So it's win-win. <laughs> Doesn't matter what happens. It's pretty cool out here. Uh, what's going on, Craig? Is that water boiling? Yeah, good. Game. Almost. We just had a coffee. And I mean a real coffee. None of this out of packet stuff. Mm -hmm. I invested in one of those nano press specifically for this trip. And I knew that Craig really likes his coffee. And uh, I do too. Mate, I don't care what you invested. Um, I, I think it was worth twice that. Because that was <laughs> delightful, man. I think it is worth twice that. I'm very surprised at the cost, actually. <laughs> Expensive? No, it's not. No, as in it, they could have charged me double and I would have paid. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying for what um, what I just tasted. Mm. Yeah, no, it's been really good. Uh, that's not even... That's a free plug for those guys. Absolutely. Yeah, we're sitting next to a gorgeous little stream few mountains out to the left and the right. Uh, I've got the whole place to ourselves. We walked up the stream a little way and Craig had his uh, noodles that he has. Shin ramyun. Shin ramyun. I think. Something like that. <laughs> it means hot as hot as <laughs> Yeah, since that since that night on the top, what mountain was it? Oh, that's when we did that other podcast on, at the base of Biwa. Biwa, yeah. Yeah. Mate, since then, since um, then I've been craving it. Thanks, that water's done. You probably, probably hear the uh, stream now, if you mm -hmm. listen carefully. There we go. That's the stream. Yeah, so day three, uh, 18 <laughs> clicks. 18 clicks, turn it up, mate. It was good. It's 16 and 16 and a half. Is it? <laughs> uh, that was that was a fail. I thought it was more than that. No, I didn't. I thought that was what you said. 16. Oh, that's right. Eight times two. Because we got halfway. No, that makes sense. I can do my maths. You're you with us now? Yeah. Uh, yeah, big day. Big day. Fairly hefty uh, elevation as well, like straight out of the box this morning. And then again after lunch, oh, well, look, we didn't even really have lunch, this was our lunch. <laughs> we had a break and then we had to hit some um, steep terrain again. Mm. I, I've had my bath for the day. <laughs> again. Crazy, man. Which um, was... I just jumped in this creek here and I got in a lot quicker than yesterday but got out a bit quicker too man it was cold no you did well I'm impressed it was so much colder than yesterday it was um things were happening that aren't meant to happen to a human body <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it's pretty cold. We had to walk across it to get here. Yeah, we had to walk across so, it. And, and that, yeah, that was enough for me. <laughs> that was enough. That'll do me. 
Uh, I'm just doing two things at once. I'm not really paying attention. I'm just washing out the coffee machine. But um, it's been a spectacular day. Seen, seen some beautiful stuff. Mm. That really um, sells it, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's been. We've seen some beautiful stuff. It's been beautiful stuff. Yeah, everywhere. it's been beautiful stuff. <laughs> and things. There's been things everywhere. Uh, this this is um, night three. We had two nights <coughs> out in the tents, and we're planning on having a night in one of the cabins tonight. Yeah, bit of a luxury, I suppose. Yeah, it's like a communal, public cabin. Um, they're they're well maintained. They're quite nice. And Craig and I want to get an early start in the morning to summit this little peak. Mm. And in order to do so, I think. Just um, not having to put a tent away and everything's just going to be really good. Yeah. Um, and it got pretty cold last night, didn't it? <laughs> yep. There was ice outside. Yep. That um, all around the tent, the timber boards were um, were icy and you could slip around on them. I reckon all that ice melted into that creek just there. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> no, it'd be interesting to get chatting to some people. Might, might not have met before tonight. Yeah, we've run into a few characters already. It's cool. We sure have. And, uh, yeah, it's just something about meeting people on the trail. They've all got their own reason for being out here. Some people are solo. There's a, there's a group of four guys that we met on the very first afternoon. And mm -hmm. we had a few laughs with them. And there's a, a guy getting around solo and then there's um this old guy smashing it out isn't he craig yeah he beat us here today he did too yeah this dude he's like i had a quick chat with him he reckons he did it in 1972 <sighs> and then he did it once again i think he said 90 something so like 94 or something like that so, oh, right. and then he's doing it for the third time and he reckons it's changed a lot um, the upgrades they've done. Yeah, a fair few. What they've tried to do here to minimise impact is um, where there's these big boggy marshes, which is very, very, very prevalent in this area. Uh, as you can imagine, hundreds of people walking through there just damage it and then the next group that comes, they don't want to get their feet muddy, so they go around and they ruin all of this um, stuff called button grass. So to minimise the impact of that, they put in this, these long planks called duck bores and they um, staple chicken wire to it for grip. Uh, it's not, it's definitely not all the way. Like it's nice to walk on real terrain. Yeah, which we did today. Yeah, my favourite parts today. are those, kind of like those chunks of granite rock mm. that are all yeah. just naturally on the ground. Yeah. And, it just sounds cool too when you walk over it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. Been through some mud today too. Yeah, sure did. But it's one heck of a spot. Met a few leeches just before. Hmm. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> For <laughs> listeners. Well, maybe we'll just put this away and uh, pack up our stuff. Yeah, we're 
gonna get back to the um, the hut and uh, it faces west so we'll be be able to get some sun on us check that our gears dried and uh, pretty much just do nothing for the rest of the day I might take a couple of photos but that's about it uh, and I'd like to see if that geo press will work uh, again oh you need some more water mm. yeah Alright, people, we will talk to you sometime in the next couple of days. Hopefully with amazing news of our summit. Yeah. You never know. Alright, see ya. Just catching up with Craig and a couple of guys who I'm about to... Oh, they're still not that bad, I guess. Kind of looks and feels worse than it is. It's alright. It'll be worth it if we get to the summit. Make that coffee taste good tonight, too. did well. Oh, thank you. Smashed it, smashed it. Well, I was thinking on the way up. Well, well, thanks, mate. Up. Good job, mate. Well done. That's a good idea, wasn't it? <laughs> Come on, buddy. Good job, mate. Yeah. Well, Craig. Well done, Chris. Yeah. Well, thanks for your help, guys. Well, I, I was on the way up, I'm going. The same day, I avoided doing the dumbest thing I've ever just try to summit Osa without a guide. <laughs> <laughs> and I did one of the smartest things we've ever done. <laughs> Hooked onto Tom's caravan and away we went. Seriously. Yeah. I would just failed ages ago. What a great outcome. Alright. Big day today, Craig. <laughs> Shit yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're currently laying in our tents about two or three metres apart from each other and just having a chat. Yeah. Thought we'd throw the mics on and talk to you guys too. Yeah. Tell us about today, Craig. Oh, man. That was true, true hike or die fashion, that... It was such a uh, crazy weather to to mount to summit that mountain. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know. Yeah. So we got up at five o'clock this morning. Uh, there was two other guys that had never been up this mountain, and they asked us last night if I'd guide them up there, and 
sounded like a pretty good idea. So, yeah, we got up at five, had some breakfast, packed our gear, and we were on the trail at seven. Yeah, walking by head torch. Yeah, walking by head torch, because because it was so um, still so dark and cloudy, and and then it was raining. Bad weather, yeah. <laughs> And it started raining on us. All of the things you don't want when you're trying to climb a mountain. Um, and the climb from that hut is just brutal, isn't it, Craig? Yeah. It's crazy. It's just straight up for a couple of kilometres. Yeah, so it's like an hour and a half of just... Yeah. Just powering up a, up a hill with the big pack on. Yeah. Before you get to the, the chance to climb the, the mountain. Yeah, that's right. So you kind of get worked over before you even get the opportunity to then drop your big pack and get your day pack ready mm. and then go for the summit. Uh, so but the time we got ready for that, it was the wind was howling. It was freezing cold. Yeah. What mountain is it, so everyone knows? Mount Ossa, yeah. um, highest mountain in Tasmania. Yeah, damn straight. And yeah, so we we kept going and uh, got a little way up. And I still reckon I was talking to one of the other guys. I still reckon that we got hit with some sleep there for a minute or two. Oh yeah, it was, it was stinging the stinging me through my rain jacket. Yeah, yeah. It was just hitting the face and just really, yeah, strong winds and, and probably sleet in the in the rain. And, yeah, we kept on trucking, just took our time and uh, eventually got to the summit. There was snow up there, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, been a long time since I've seen snow, especially where we come from. <laughs> so that was pretty cool to see that but it was a bit too cold to hang around for long. Hmm. Yeah, mate, that was, you know, one of the best moments of the trip, one of the best moments of, of hiking with you, dude, just getting to that, you know, point where we're, we're standing on the top of that mountain with um, snow at our feet and, you know, just really bad conditions to push through it. Mate, really, really loved it today. Felt like we, you know, had <laughs> pushed hard anyway. That was great. Yeah, we worked for that. Um, it was good to see you up there. Yeah. I've done it twice before, both in perfect sunny weather. And this was the complete opposite. And yeah. uh, I think I'm still kind of cold inside. <laughs> from today <laughs> we got back to the next hut so after that after the summit you hike back down and then you grab your packs and then you keep moving to the next hut which is called Kiora. and we found a tent platform that was in the sun and oh yeah so that was something that happened uh, as we got down off the mountain the sun came out and all the clouds blew away except for around the mountain so it was 
absolutely fantastic because it started to dry out our pants and our jackets while we were walking which was really cool yeah but that's 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 the thing we got to the top of the mountain and we couldn't see anything (laughs) no there was no views yeah just to be clear um if we put any photos up anywhere it's just us with some mist behind us (laughs) claiming that we got to the summit (laughs) yeah we did (laughs) um what was I going to say? Oh yeah, so back here, we were just sitting on the tent platform, and I decided it was a good idea if we both ate a double serve of freeze-dried food each. <laughs> it was a good idea. <laughs> because we had just burnt so many calories today, and it was a good idea. What did you have, Craig? Some honey soy chicken yeah honey soy chicken yeah I had uh, beef curry no it wasn't bad okay and yeah I smashed that whole thing I ate a bit of chocolate and then I was kind of sitting there and thought oh, i get a head start setting up my bed so I inflated my expert mattress mm. and then I got out my Zambivi sleeping bag and and then I just kind of laid on that in the sun and then I pulled the sleeping bag up because it was quite a cold breeze despite the sun and uh, next thing I know I was completely passed out in some dreamland <laughs> you know, I did the same thing in suit I was soon asleep in the sun yeah because when I woke up there's a cold breeze blew through and uh, kind of blew in under the sleeping bag around my face and it woke me up and then I thought it was dead silent I thought oh Craig must have gone off taking photos somewhere and then I stood up and turned around and he was passed out on his mattress with his sleeping bag over his head Mm, yeah which was probably a good time to get the tents up just in case the rain came or something Mm. big day massive day um how do you how do you rate your trip so far craig oh mate excellent i was expecting oh i don't know what i was expecting um from the overland track i thought I thought longer day hikes. I, I thought probably we would be hiking all day long. Right. And it's been challenging um, hikes, but they haven't been all day, which has been really nice. Yeah. Uh, today was long, but we still got time to just lay in the sun and you know photograph wombats and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, today wouldn't have been long if you didn't take the side trail to Summit. Exactly. So the, the, the actual track is typically short days but we're doing a bit extra yeah and, and mate we're still having a great time we're still um and because the track i can tell a lot of the upgrades have just been so that you can still enjoy the day you know you're not having to get your feet so wet all the time and yeah so i think they've done a really good job of the track yeah it's the more popular it gets and the more they upgrade the track the more they need to upgrade the track because more people the traffic's just gonna mow through that um yeah. button grass and that kind of 
sediment layer that they have here which is almost like a sludgy kind of uh, it's like a wet rainforest mulch isn't it Craig yeah it's not really mud it's this weird kind of mixture hey, it was it was good to meet that cool laid-back uh, workman he's obviously a, a trainer oh, yeah yeah, they oh man, they do an amazing job. Yeah, that's that's the second time I've run into uh, trail builders. Yeah, and the first time I stopped and and actually said thanks, thanks for your hard work. Uh, really appreciate it. And I stopped again today when I saw this guy, and uh, um, he'd been back and forth since December working on the track. Yeah, and I happened to mention a particular part where they did some beautiful stonework there's an amazing part of so prior to the summit prior to even getting to the base of the mountain you go around a smaller mountain called Mount Doris mm. and on the side of that there's a place called Japanese Gardens and it really seriously looks like uh, manicured Japanese gardens it's absolutely yeah that's where we stopped spectacular. right spectacular yeah that's right yeah that's absolutely that's spectacular and just yeah. beyond that they've laid all these they take stones from the environment and lay them down oh. in a beautiful path and it kind of winds through the trees and I just said to him oh nice work on that that little trail past the Japanese gardens because that wasn't there two years ago and he said oh yeah that's that's what I've just been working on so yeah. I just finished that it's my last like, day today <laughs> I love working with stone anything that's stone <laughs> yeah he said I love yeah I love <laughs> doing the stone work I just wanted to do the stones <laughs> yeah he loves his job that's cool yeah he was a dude yeah top bloke crazy job though it is a crazy job they drop these guys out here in uh, in these little pods or something, uh, and and they've got you know, basically everything they need. But every day they just rock up, and uh, helicopters drop the long lengths of timber that they use, but they actually transport it up the trail. Uh, yeah. one or two planks at a time that'd be hard work yeah man tell me about it hey imagine even just getting up to the Japanese gardens with that timber yeah, yeah. that's ridiculous yeah for sure yeah tough job uh, but I'm sure it's got it's perks like imagine morning tea yeah just <laughs> just sitting there overlooking this amazing place I think a person that takes a job like that is already interested in something like that. Yeah. Yeah, good luck to him anyway. Uh, what else is coming up? Um, oh, yeah, we did see a wombat. Craig mentioned that. That was pretty cool. Only about 10 metres from us. Probably less, actually. Five. Mm. And he was pretty cute. And some of the stuff we're talking about, we have footage of, and we'll work out a way of knocking that together and either sharing it via Instagram or our Facebook page or YouTube, so... Yeah, maybe the show notes. <clears throat> yeah, just keep uh, keep an ear out for that. 
and we'll definitely list where they are. Tomorrow is a shorter day, but it takes us past a beautiful old hut a guy who used to, I think he was a fur trapper back in the day, and he, out of this entire region, he decided to build a log cabin right at the base of this enormous mountain range, right uh, probably about 50 metres from this gorgeous stream, and a uh, little, little rainforest sort of area with where everything's just covered in in moss yeah sounds cool yeah it's really cool and then we'll be at our next hut tomorrow night hopefully uh living it up so just two more two more days yeah pretty tired pretty worn out i was just thinking before when you were talking i moved my legs a bit and every single Muscle, tendon, joint. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Just everything. everything. I wouldn't say it hurts. It's not pain. It's just pure fatigue. And you can tell that it's all been used. Yeah. It's a good feeling. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they've got a um, wheelchairs you can take from this hut to the next one tomorrow. Good. good. <laughs> Which is going to come in handy. Because I think it's going to be a tough job walking for that first 10 minutes. Yeah. Yep, it's going to be hard to get out of bed in the morning, but we will, and we'll have another huge day, I'm sure. We'll get to sleep in a bit tomorrow, which is good. Hey Amen. That sounds good. It's been a big day. Yeah. What's the time now? Uh, Last rays of light around here it's almost black it's almost dark it's getting late what is it yeah i'm just checking it's actually um, 10 to 8. yeah it is yep i'll just check too yeah so with any luck we'll get about 11 hours sleep tonight which is well deserved yeah right yep yeah on that note, I can't really think of anything else crazy. No, that's a little cap on what we did today. Yep. All uh, right. Lights out. Yeah, lights out. That's exactly right. <laughs> we'll leave you guys for now and catch up with you later in the trip. See ya. We've arrived at the Duquesne Hut. You'll hear the acoustics change. I just walked inside. That's cool, eh? It's pretty awesome in here. So what we're looking at is old bunk beds, but they're made from actual tree limbs, not really, not chunks of timber. And then any timber that is here, every single plank has been split by hand. Um, there's a massive kind of fireplace as well at one end, which would have been well used in this spot. I'm just going to read some of the uh, information here because I'll never remember it. <laughs> I 
Um, Paddy Hartnett is the guy who built this hut, I believe. In 1910, pioneer bushwalker, trapper and prospector. Paddy Hartnett built this now historic hut as a hunting headquarters. He felled a huge king billy pine which supplied the timber to build the southern portion. In the 1930s, Duquesne Hut, colloquially known as Windsor Castle, was the only hut between Pelion and Narcissus Plains. Just for context, that's a long, long way for only one hut. The northern extension of the hut was built in 1935 and 1936 to accommodate the increasing number of walkers and there have been about four other renovations to the hut since then. Awesome. In 1925 Paddy joined the Osmeridium, Osmeridium Rush. It's Osmeridium, that's a type of metal or crystal or something, isn't it? Oh, no. It sounds like it. If they're calling it a rush. Yeah, exactly. Osmeridian rush to Adamsfield, retiring to Hobart in the 1930s. So he spent a good chunk of time here. There's a few photographs of him uh, just hanging out. and Look at his, he's wearing a bowler hat. Great. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, yeah. There he is on the summit of Mount Ossa in full snow. In his what? bowler hat. <laughs> what? Oh, that's a bit sad. <laughs> that's a bit sad. There's a photo of a um, strung up wombat. They would be collecting that at the time for the pelt and then also obviously the food. Yep. Amazing. I'm just going to walk through to the other end. Can you hear this bird outside? He just won't shut up. Anyway. Just walking into the southern end. This is the modern part. Wow. It is cool. At the moment I'm looking out through a very old window, which I suspect was not constructed here but probably carried in on somebody's back because it has panes of glass in it and it looks like it's professionally done. So the lengths that he's gone to to hike this thing in for four or five days is incredible. <laughs> I think it's the only, yeah, it's the only window in the, in the entire hut. Well, I'm going to leave it there, guys. I'll try and get a photo of this window and I'll sign the registry book and we'll keep on trucking. See you later. We're in the middle of this absolutely gorgeous forest with moss-covered trees. We're just being followed by this little bird who's very interested in what we're doing. He's just working his way around the edges of the trees. I suspect he's pretending to look for bugs because he always seems to be around where we are. <laughs> he's ripping bark off the tree. 
What do you think of this, Craig? What do I think of this part? Mate, this is beautiful. It's nice. so cool in the shade. And... Mate, some of these trees are so ancient. I know, they'd have some stories to tell. Mostly probably just about feels like us walking past. I think that bird's up to something. Oh yeah, he's some kind of a spy, I have no doubt. Yeah, we should get moving. I'm going to leave this record for a little while, <laughs> just in case, in case something, happens. something happens. People find <laughs> find the phone and then say, I know who did it. It was the, the bird with the stick in the forest. <laughs> See, look at this. It's awesome, eh? We're just standing at the, a massive buttress of a fallen tree that's um, probably a foot higher than me, about seven foot. And it's just covered in moss. And yeah, it's been there a long while. There's ferns growing out the back of it. <sighs> We've seen a lot of people from around the world. A couple of Dutch guys and um, actually a fair few Aussies as well. But this place is worth checking out. And Craig and I pushed pretty hard yesterday to get up to that summit in absolutely freezing weather. Oh, Craig, I stand corrected. This was the that was the shot. Yeah, yeah, it's that tree there. We're just talking about a, a photo, a bit of film that I took. Um, not last time I did this trip, but the time before. Oh, I was touching the moss and it's not as cold as you think. It is cold and it's softer than it looks too. Anyway, what was I saying? Doesn't matter. This place is awesome. Oh yeah, I was saying that we pushed pretty hard yesterday. By the time we got to our campsite, as I think we already mentioned last night, the sun was out and we were drying off our clothes and our bodies. And that sun's continued today. So we had a pretty good sleep in there, Craig. Mm, best ever. <laughs> I think, uh, what time did we get up? It was 8 o'clock you got up. Yeah. So I was just laying there checking the track on my phone yeah and then it took us uh, what three and a half hours to actually eat breakfast and pack up and get out of there yeah. and I don't care at all we're not in a hurry we're in no hurry today it's only 9.6 kilometer day and we've already knocked off about um, almost we're getting close to knocking off half of that Yeah, Craig's just taking a photograph. So quiet out here. From where I'm standing, looking through some really tall trees and then 
out to a enormous mountain range with massive flutes of dolomite. That's uh, just fantastic. It's probably two places in the world where I've felt insignificant and small. One of those was Yosemite Valley, Yosemite National Park, and the other one is in parts of this track. When you look at around at the magnitude of these of these uh, ranges and then how they were created. Get a shot, mate. Done. Take you on a walk for a little while now. Hey Craig, you're ready to talk about your your uh, issue yet? <laughs> In case you didn't pick that up, he said he'd rather never talk about it. At some point, you're going to have to have to talk to the audience, mate. But uh, let's let's look at that a bit later. Hey, mate. I'll give you I give you a bit more time to simmer down before you tell us tell us what it's all about. I'm pretty mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but they, nobody knows what you're talking about, mate. All right, all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're getting into a bit more technical terrain here, and apart from possibly capturing me falling over, I'm going to switch the recording off now. Maybe talk to you guys later in the day, tonight. Who knows, we're just winging it at the moment. See ya. Craig and, oh, Craig and I are just sitting here making a coffee and we've just been surrounded by these currawongs. I think they've put the word out that lunch is on. Yeah, they can definitely smell the coffee. They're all around us. Look at that one behind, straight behind. See on that branch there? Keep <laughs> peeking out. Stack of them. Yeah. It's like something from a horror movie. 
They're coming in closer. Maybe that little bird that was spying on us told them oh, yeah. <laughs> we were on our way to lunch. He's the point man. Very good. Anyway, back to coffee. Short day today. Up early, feeling great. And I've twisted my knee and I think the ACL on the left leg is pinging every time I walk and uphill is killing. <laughs> it um, adds to the experience, I'll put it that way. But um, yeah, just hoping I don't slow down too much today. Out. Yeah, just hoping that this pace is going to be alright because I'm certainly not moving to full speed at the moment. Hmm, might be time to have a rest this Arvo. Setting a very nice pace this morning. Heading towards Lake St. Clair. Probably two and a half hours of hiking to go. It's bittersweet. It's uh, fulfilling to have completed it again. This will be my third time. And third time summiting Ossa as well, which is really lucky considering some people don't get to do it because of bad weather. We kind of snuck it in, even though it was bad weather. There was a bit of fine, almost snow this morning. Just little flakes of ice floating in the air. I thought we were gonna get full snow, but Unfortunately, it didn't happen. There's still time. It's nice and cool today. took the ferry across Lake St. Clair and uh, to our final destination. Uh, welcome back. Mm. That was a bit of a recap, wasn't it, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> we just we just went back to Tasmania. Yeah, we did. We just went back through all the footage and all of the uh, audio files that we recorded just to um, put that little package together for you guys. So... 
Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. There was um, a few good spots in there, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was actually a few memorable moments that I'd forgotten already. Yeah. What are some of your favourites, mate? <laughs> Those icy waters. <laughs> <laughs> that swimming. Yeah, go uh, that swimming swim. thing was hilarious. Oh, and when we were editing just before, Craig said, "Oh, I don't think that uh, that that one of me will be that funny if you're not watching the video." And I said, "I I beg to differ." <laughs> nearly crying listening to it without the footage. <laughs> Spot on. Uh, there was no way I was going to go in the water that day in my head. There was just no way I was – there's no reason to go swimming in Tasmania, surely. <laughs> but uh, somehow you convinced me. You did well. Honestly, I've watched that <laughs> clip back a few times and nearly cried every time. That <laughs> no, was good fun. Hey, remember that snippet of the Duquesne hut? And uh, I read that piece about Osmeridian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just Googled it and it says Osmeridium is a popular name for a naturally occurring alloy of the metals iridium and osmium. Corrosive resistant, corrosion resistant, rather. It is used in the manufacture of a variety of articles from pen nibs to munitions. Oh, cool. So there you go. It was a. A type of metal or alloy that oh. um, they were down there digging for. And I guess you could say it's quite lucky that that um, they didn't find any of that stuff accessible or else it could have been ruined a long time before we got there. Mm. Much like the uh, Tasmanian tiger. Yep, true. Hey, mate, um, what happened about your sore knee? Because I... Completely forgot about that until you played that audio back. Oh, uh, yeah, it didn't. It it wasn't such a big deal. Um, it was at the time, to be honest. I was a bit concerned, but it was pretty good within a day or two. It must have just been a little strain, but, yeah, it was really sore at the time. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I can't even figure how it happened. It was just a, a twist in the knee and then... It just really hurt. Uh, good. All yeah. right, then. Don't recommend it. Don't recommend twisting your knee. No. Good advice there, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, and now uh, are you ready to actually talk about the big problem, the big issue <laughs> of the entire trip? Because I think mm, maybe you need to retract some information uh, for our good listeners. <laughs> I'm actually a little bit embarrassed. <laughs> um, it's not. It's a. It's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. Um, uh, I don't know if you recommended someone to <laughs> buy I, something. It's a big deal. I, I know that you. <laughs> I know you possibly love the fact that I. Um, yeah, I. 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 Lo- I, I ha- had a lot of trouble with my gear. Um, particularly two items, and the biggest problem was my boots, which I've sworn by on many occasions. I thought um, I thought I was onto something really good, and I'm more than willing now to to um, to not recommend them to to the extent I used to. Anyway, what do you mean? I wouldn't recommend them to a homeless guy. I know you were going to say that. 
Well, let's just put things into perspective. You took them brand new out of the box. You yeah. wore them for three or four days, yeah. and the sole came off. Yeah, yeah. It was it was terrible. Um, Do you the- recommend it for someone who wants to take <laughs> it out of the box and sit on their couch and not walk in them? Probably. Okay, good. That's yeah. That's good for our demographic. <laughs> No, they certainly weren't fit for purpose. Um, I, I've had a couple of, I've had three pairs of these boots, and they've never done that because I've never put them to this sort of, um, you know, day after day hiking. I suppose with those heavy packs on. But you said an earlier pair was peeling away. Yeah, but that was after many many um, creek trips with you know through water and stuff, and right. I, I kind of expect a little bit of that. Uh, not. Not, I don't know why that happened. I think it was the the cold, the the water, and everything. But like, I'm not, I'm not making excuses for them. The, the gear fell apart. Yeah, it was the heel came off, and I was able to stitch it up through the the little um, hoop at the back to to pull your boot on. Yeah, and it it got me through still. But yeah, it was just flapping in the wind. It was yeah, terrible. that was bad. I yeah. couldn't believe that. that so was... glad that we'd done Osser and got down and laid in the sun and had that nap and it yeah. wasn't even a problem at that stage. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it, it didn't spoil anything up till then. Could have been a lot worse. Could too. have been a lot. That's what I mean. Yeah. If it was the front coming off, you would have been harder to tie up and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, also two straps on my low alpine pack gave it in. So. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Very disappointed in both of those items. <laughs> but what was funny to me was you were, Sitting there talking to this other hiker about how fantastic the boots are, and you both have had them ripped to pieces. Yeah, but you're still telling each other how good they are. We still love them. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Oh man! No, look, I, I don't know if I am the only person who wears five ten boots. I may, probably, I may be, but um, we well, will be now, possibly, once yeah. this news gets out. Once this news gets out, no, there's there's something about the the rubber. Um, the the way it grips, but you know you still got to have durability. So, yeah. On a serious note, we did Craig did recommend them in a previous podcast as um, in when we were talking about gear that we we use. So, yeah, that's yeah, why I want to make it that yeah. make it clear that it didn't quite live up to it for this trip. And I'm now on my way to get uh, a new pair of Salomons. Good choice. Hmm. I know someone with a pair of them that, and the soles never fallen off. Yeah, I've got my old ones. They haven't fallen apart either. <laughs> I should have just taken them. Yes. <laughs> oh, all is well that ends well. Uh, thanks for joining us on that journey, guys. <laughs> it was a it was a cracker, and as I said, it was really good to to watch some of that footage back and then listen to those audio files again. Yeah. Uh, thanks for hanging in for an absolutely huge marathon podcast but we are kind of making up two months uh, and giving back to you take it easy we'll talk to you soon not in two months it'll be sooner i promise see you later guys see ya bye if you're listening to this podcast on itunes we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time if you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need 
to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.